it's not that someone else does what he does better. It's that he does a thing that no one else does, but I just don't care. Sorry, I just heard I just heard an echo. I heard an echo in my head because I'm still not good at doing this. Um, but we're back. We're live. We actually pressed all the buttons right this time. Uh, as you can see, uh, Cliff and I desperately we were talking about before we desperately need haircuts right. tomorrow. Right. Cliff looking Cliff looking a little bit better than I am, but you know, dad life. Bro, I'm excited. We're here to talk about big boys. Um, we've gotten. I think Cliff said he's gotten a game or two in with Imperial Knights. I've gotten. Way too many games in with War Dogs. Um, <laughs> hit, hit, not, to, not to bury, not to bury the lead a little bit. I yes, play with the boys too. Um, but yeah, we're gonna be talking about about all of this episode's about big boys. We're gonna be talking about the the big guys. Uh, gonna be doing some tier lists because tier lists are fun. So you know, we can you can go ahead and screenshot it, take our bad takes, and just roast us for the next two weeks <laughs> in the Discord. You know, but I mean that's what they're for. You know, so your comments and your takes just live in infamy on the internet. Forever and ever. Yeah. Got a Cliff, whole channel dedicated to a hot take takedown. So feel free oh, to get yeah. in there. <laughs> what have you been up to, man? Since our last episode. Oh boy. Um, personal stuff. We've got my my eldest son's pre-K graduation tomorrow. I'm super exciting. Uh, he turned five last week. Got a whole crew in town to celebrate. That's gonna be super fun. Um, like a bunch of in-laws sister-in-law her new baby it's gonna be great and you know works work and i work in higher ed slash ed policy so that's been an interesting time over the last like week to two weeks including last 24 hours and yeah it's been cool 40k wise um really enjoying the fact that like custodians knights death watch are all great right now Awesome baseline picks to just have available to pick up off the shelf. Doing a little bit of hobby work. You know, just like we'll carry on from the box to the actual assembly this time around. <laughs> um, in all honesty, I'm, I'm assuming that like either some combination of Devastating Wounds revision or Wraith Knight point cost or a combination of the two or Fate Dice adjustment is going to happen to like make running three Wraith Knights, not trivialize everything else in the game. Um, but it's been like a really cool hobby experience because they're great models. I didn't really realize until I cracked it open how cool they were. That's it, man. Yeah, just chilling, mostly chilling. Fully in the beta testing 10th edition mode. How about you? Yeah. Um, bunch of practice games. Uh, been doing stuff with uh, Team USA, obviously. Um, yep. that's, just been, that's just been so cool. Uh, just be able to like help those guys prep and everything. Um, back on the camera a little bit. Better. Um, yeah, so that's been really cool because you, I either get to play games or spectate games, and we're kind of at the mode now where it's like, you know, when you like when you talk about like concepts or like lists or factions um, online, and you're like, well, I think this has legs, and then people try to like 
talk you out of it and tell you like all the bazillion different reasons why it will fail and a lot of times those like reasons like aren't really realistic like the scenarios they're talking about like or like okay well your opponent is everywhere they're always everywhere all at once they're always going to be able to get the angles they need they're always going to be able to get the range they need they're mm-hmm. going to have like 12 12 cp everything's going to have all the buffs whatever and people do that on both sides of the equation too yeah um it's really cool because in like that team type of environment yeah. like it's kind of encouraged as long as you aren't like obviously trolling you know like if you're if you have a concept and it's been looked at and you're just banging your head against the wall at a certain point people are going to be like hey you need you're probably a little emotionally over invested like it's probably time to stop putting your head into that wall but if you have something and it sounds crazy and you can make a good case for it people will like they'll throw up like have you thought about this have you thought about that just to make sure that you've kind of like done the mental homework mm-hmm. but if it sounds convincing enough you know especially with like tts people will be like we're already yeah. on a call like let's just try it out right here now you know and it doesn't even take much it just takes like maybe like two turns rewrap yeah. you go if you went first now you go second do it again people will be like yeah this might That's be testing out you know do you, like, think do you think there's something like inherent about teams that causes that sort of openness to like yeah just try something that seems sort of off meta and let's like see what happens because the meta for teams is different um yeah i think so just um because you're not it's not as binary as singles um like case in point we were talking about this earlier uh with fireside they put out like that that little tier list you know Mm -hmm. kind of a preview i'm sure they talk about it more i haven't had unfortunately i've not had time to listen to it i'm probably going to save it for my work or my community to work on Saturday. And I'll, I'll, I'll I usually listen to like half of it in the way and half of it in the way. Back. Um, um, so I'm sure they'll go into more of it. They, I thought they had like kind of based on the screenshot, if that is the actual tier list they had, um, I thought they had Dark Elder and Nids and Grey Knights a little bit low. Hmm. But the thing is, like a lot of those, so I think, I think Dark Elder and singles definitely have more play than they mentioned, but Grey Knights and Tyranids have. I think the issue where they have like good rules, but their damage output like just isn't quite there. Yeah. Um, but in in teams, you can kind of have like a situation where you just like you throw them into you throw them into like onto the grenades, you throw them into the lions that you're like just give me a 10 or just give me the best you can get. Right. And they're just kind of like and they're like a lose small type army, you know, yeah. it's like a loss, we're trying to get a small loss. That doesn't help you out in singles, like it's not worth anything in singles because you just lose, you know. So so what like but in teams, there is a role for like that type of list. So I think there's there's value there. And so like, like that's why like I think like certain concepts people are more open to in, in teams. There's also a situation where like if it's if you come up with like an awful, like an absolutely like awful list that's like effective, but like it's terrible to play, like you can try to like do some like little gaming and politicking to try to get someone else to pilot it so you don't have to <laughs> You're like, please play this troll list so I can see how yes. it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, we've been doing some stuff there. That's been really good. Um, CK has been my pet project. Um, mm-hmm. I went to an RTT. Um, they said, I think I'm coming around in 10th, not because I think my initial takes on it were necessarily wrong. It's just more I've adjusted my my mindset on it. And yeah. and I think that's kind of helped a lot. Um, yeah. And if we have, if we have time, I'll, I'll go off on a tangent about that later. Um, no because i I think there's there's valid stuff uh to talk about uh i played an rtt i didn't really feel like going i didn't really feel like going uh a full three rounds you know i was a little bit tired a little bit out of it so i just i just rolled up with like a chaos night list that i thought would be fun 
and um, it was a desecrator, a desecrator, a um, a despoiler with the um, the Gatling, and then the the Gatling and the rapid fire battle cannon. Just so I had a mix of AP one, AP two, and high volume, straight ten, straight six shooting. Yeah. Thermal because I, I wanted to be able to shoot at people who were trying to stay out of range of my dogs. Um, so that's why I went with the guns. Desecrator, by the way, is the one with the, is the one with a laser and one melee weapon. It gives real ones to like a captain order to dogs. Yep. And then I went with the Castellan or the Tyrant for a few cast players, but with the Castellan loadout. Again, I was just trying to lead. I was just trying to lean to like the well. If you try to stay away from my dogs, my big guys are going to shoot you. Blast you. You know, and then my dogs get to push up. And then I had four brigands, which are the double gun dogs. Uh, and they were basically just constantly in an aura of cover, and they were hitting on twos, real one ones to hit. It was seven knights. It shot really, really, really hard. Um, I think all the big knights, and we'll get into this with the tier list. I'm not again, not to bury the lead. Um, I don't think any of the big chaos knights have enough rules to yeah. really efficient shooting by themselves. But if you bring a mix of them, and like you kind of you shoot, you activate one knight, and then you basically use that information to, to determine your targets for the next one, you can kind of make it work, um, which is what I did. I lost, I'm oh, sorry, I won I won my first round against uh, Dark Elder Lance Spam. Um, I think he could have activated in a, like a slightly different order and spent his resources better. It made that game a little bit more sweaty for me, but it was that was my first time sitting on the table and um, that man re-rolled more dice <laughs> in his <personal laughs> game of Dark Eldar that I have in years. Every every game of Dark Eldar I've played in Ninth Edition, that man has rerolled more dice in that one game that I I did all of playing Dark Eldar Ninth Edition. It was absolutely intense. Your rerolls, baby. It's all good. Uh, sorry. And then I played and then I played against my uh, sparring sparring partner and uh, good friend Ben, another member of Miami Dice. Uh, he was running Thousand Suns. Um, Magnus, Magnus, uh, Scarabric. I think he had like one butylith, mm. and then his his little tech thing that you'll see very often is he was running the foot demon prince, um, to give stealth to his uh big units of rubrics, yeah. and they had the uh aspiring sorcerers in them to give him the four pinfall. Um, and he basically just started everything off the board except for the rubrics and the butylith, um, and it was all hidden. And it was like you had to get with an 18. It was minus one to hit, had a four up in bone. I pushed up and got like nine out of ten rubrics, but I mean it was it was tough. They're 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 durable. Yeah. Um it was also that weird mission where it was like we set up five objectives. We and because it was the first RTT of 10th, um, and not everyone had the cards. Our local RTT said, okay, we're gonna do fixed missions. I'm like, well, this kind of sucks for mm -hmm. me because I don't I don't get that CP regen throwing cards away. Hard. Yeah, and the and the and the fixed secondaries like they don't score very aggressively, and like if your opponent doesn't give up anything, like it's really awkward. And then the mission basically said we had to remove the middle objective. Oh, so okay. yeah, so I yeah, like so we so literally I had two objectives I could sit on forever. He had two objectives I could sit on forever, and he had better secondaries than me, and yeah. like all his all his big targets were off the board. So I'm like, I guess I just have to go forward. Um. And I pushed forward. He came. I didn't have anything to shoot at. He came in. He bounced off me. I bounced off him. Then the second time, he didn't bounce off me, and then I died. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, and I was, I was. That was a pretty fun day. Um, 
And then I, uh, I told the ATO, I was like, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm done for the day. Like, it's just, it's just a chill RTT. Yeah, went yeah. home, uh, went home, had, had dinner with my family, my kid, hung out with a little bit. Um, then just played Diablo four the rest of the night. <laughs> Love it. Man, I just got to Nightmare, classic dad hammer fashion. I beat the nice. game at level 51, which is outrageous. I spent way too much so time. So it sounds like you enjoyed it. Well, I mean, it sounds like you enjoyed yourself then. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, been great. So many uh, I was, I was a dirt. I was a dirty poop soccer. I'm already like level 70, so <laughs> I've actually hit the brakes over the past week or two as we've been getting ready for WTC. <laughs> it's been fun, though. Uh, I'm about to – I just – I just rolled a necro last night, so after the show, I'm gonna go work out. I'm gonna play necro a little Super bit. Fun. Into that. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about let's talk about nights. Uh, I got the some tier list pulled up. Um, unless you want your hands on the wheel, do you want do you want to talk about IK first or CK? Yeah, um, let's talk about let's let's uh, let's talk about CK first. I feel like you've got more recent more recent experience in a real through game. Program. Okay, sure. Let me give me a moment. And yeah, let me figure out how to share my screen. I'll set I'll set up a little bit of here it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Uh boom. Share. Nice. Can you see it? Love you it. see that? Yep. All right. Good. So let me know if you can see this because when I tab out, I can't tell. <laughs> we can see it. You're good. You're good. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh give me one moment. All right. So so yeah, I've been playing. Um, I'm up to about twenty-ish games of CK, and they're uh, they feel fine. Um, initially, I I was trying to lean into the battle shock. Uh, I was trying to lean into the fact they could take demons. Um, identified pretty early that Nurglings and Lone Operatives were good, so like Blue Scraps, Changeling, and I've been seeing other people do that too. So I think that stays. Uh, my very first game out the gate, I tried to like lean into the battle shock. Um, I took like all the stuff that keyed off the battle shock. I took skull cans, triggered the battle shock because they're T like 10 or T9, 10 mm -hmm. limits with a four bin bomb. They have a long range gun. Um, and I was like, okay, this is kind of like taking a war dog. I can trigger some battle shock, it'll be cool. Um, unfortunately, just it most of the games are kind of decided by the bottom of turn two for the most yeah. part. Is that the case? Um, That's the case with just about anything in 10th right now. That's what it feels like. So it feels like your army rule, like so having the battle shock within 12 inches and um and uh and you your minus one is like neat as kind of like a G whiz kind of thing, but mm -hmm. building into that turn three is a little bit rough because it feels like you're basically taking away your early game power, you're deferring it to your um to like your mid game. Yeah. And also, and it's just the more you kind of build into that, the less upfront power you have. Um, and a shrewd opponent can kind of like take advantage of that or push that, or you'll just you'll just feel less strong. Um, so that's really again, that's very lead. That's kind of informed my my rankings here a little bit. So let's start. Is there a way you can zoom, make this bigger? There we go. Hey. That'll probably be a little easier. So all right, so the first one um down here these are executioners um so unfortunately like these are so these are cheap pros they're 140 140 points um they can't take the indirect and their special yeah. goal is they get um i believe it's they get to reroll hits i don't even remember that's how much i've used them uh they are <laughs> reroll hits i got i gotta look up here to confirm but they basically get a bonus against units that are under half strength, which is like, 
don't know. It hasn't really been something that's really come up for me. The big thing that kind of kills them though is they're AP one. Um, so they've lost. A, they basically lost a pip of AP. Yeah. Um, they, they that's have a tough. got cover. Yeah, everything has cover, and usually these guys are kind of in the back of your the back of your deployment zone, um, like kind of with their heels on your home objective, and they're just they're providing long range fire support. And what I found is that like unless you unless you're moving forward and you're kind of moving at 45 degree angles to cut to like basically fully expose models to strip them of cover, they're just everything's just casually getting cover. Um, in addition to these guys, the board most people are filling up the boards with more, more terrain because of the, the towering rules. And that that's a little bit more of a meta thing, but that really hurts yeah. guys because they they're having to work those narrow angles, but a lot of times they can't see uh, cross the center line of the board because there's so much terrain on the board to fight mm-hmm. towering. Um, so <laughs> I don't I don't think they they go down here. Um, I definitely think they probably go here, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm willing to move these later on, like after like when we discuss and we kind of have them all there, because I don't want to have a thing where like one bracket is filled with like ten models and everyone else is one to Listen, that to me is just an indication. There's lots of internal choice within the, within a given index. Sure. All right. <laughs> uh, so the next one, I'm pulling the stats too, just so I can be absolutely 100 sure. This is the Styrix. Um, so basically the Megara and the Cyrus was kind of like the Megara's like, like little brother. He didn't really in ninth edition. He wasn't like as cool. He had a Volkite. He had the claw. Um, he just didn't quite have as many good rules and people really liked that lightning cannon with the Tesla and the ignore cover and all that. Um, so he didn't really have as much as all that. So this guy, uh, he, his aura is, um, him and the Megara are the same thing. Basically they get to... They have a six-inch aura of war dogs ignore any or all modifiers to a uh, ballistic skill or to the hit roll, which is like not that's not a bad rule. Um, no. minus one to hit is a little bit more rare in the game. They seem like right. it seems like they've moved <clears throat> everything more to the wound roll. Minus one to wound, plus one to wound, wound wounds. Yeah, whereas um modifiers to the hit roll and rerolls to hits is a little more rare. Um, so if you're used to eighth edition or ninth edition, we're minus one to hit was like kind of a nothing burger versus minus one to wound flip that for 10th edition. Mm-hmm. So it is a good aura. Um, and then after he shots, after he shoots, you can basically pin someone, um, whatever unit he shoots, you subtract two from their move and two from advanced charge rolls, which is like, okay. Um, I just think he's a little too expensive. Yeah. It's um, a lot of points. Yeah. Guns- the utility is yeah, nice. All- that's a lot of points. Do you- Utility is nice, but his shooting, the, the, the Volkite shooting for the most part, what they've done with the Volkite is they've given them devastating wounds and then AP zero, um, which feels very, very, very slot machine-y. Um, but if you don't have a way to reroll those shots or reroll your wounds, it, it just, a lot of times it just feels terrible. Um, so for that, like, honestly, I'm going to, I don't know, like, what do you think? I think he's off the top of my head. He was like 415, I believe. He's a little bit more, he's definitely more expensive than the Codex Knights. Yeah. But he's not like terribly expensive. He might even be he's, as much as 430. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking like lean between balanced and flawed. Yeah, I think so. He's like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's got like decent support rules. He's got an okay gun. He's got okay melee output. But like, you know, he's not. 
you're not going to be super disappointed if you roll up to an RTT with him, but at the same time, you're not expecting the world. Yeah. Tell you, tell you what, let me look up his points, and that is going to inform it right here. He is he is 440 points. Okay, sorry. He goes down here to four. All right, bro. <laughs> I, I thought I thought he was I thought he was like 450, man. Like those yeah. rules are cool, but he has an AP zero gun and he's 440 points. I just In I don't think that's some enough. 500 point tyrant chassis. Let's uh I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, bro. Mm. All right. Um this guy. If I can even remember what his name is, the uh, <laughs> the, the uh, Asterius. He's basically like the big brother to the Porphyrion. Um, he has he basically has the top missile guns. He has a uh, two guns on the either side of his head, and then he has the uh, conversion beamers. Yep. He is generic. He's like a Castellan like on steroids. Unfortunately, he's not a character, so he can't give him enhancements. Uh, you can't give him that minus one uh, armor save or the minus one uh, to AP AOC, which would be really sweet. Yeah. Um, but he is T13, two up save, five up invuln, and 30 wounds. So he's like six wounds more than Castellan. Um, the issue is that he's 730 points, which is a little bit rough. Um, his shooting is good, though. Um, unfortunately, I think, again, he ends up in flawed choice. I put him down here. It's just too expensive. And I'll, yeah, and I'll tell you the reason why. Um and I'm going to kind of jump the line a little bit because of this guy right here, the uh, the Knight Porphyrian. He's 85 points cheaper, um, and he has yeah. his his missiles up top are basically indirect. He has two Laz cans, and then he has two uh, two magma cannons that are twin linked, so they reroll wounds. They're like strength 18, D6 plus six damage. So you fail like two saves for a typical vehicle and you're just done. Yeah, you're done. Um, AP is like four. They reroll wounds. If you stand still, they have lethal hits for some reason, which seems wildly unnecessary. But, you know, that's um, on that strength of weapon with reroll wounds. It's probably equal to or slightly below like reroll ones to hit as far as like the end game math. Um, basically... This guy does what a Castellan is supposed to do. So if you take a Castellan and you basically, if you, he's about the price of a he's about the price of a he's about the price of a Castellan plus a War Dog, but yeah. he shoots twice as hard as a Castellan. Yeah, uh, I I feel like he's at the top of balanced or at the bottom of strong because you can. I mean, 645 is, just for reference, is about what a Castellan cost at the end of last edition. Yeah. So. People were uh, occasionally unironically taking those guys and just, you know, yes, yes. them, serious guardianing them. Different faction. All, but, also, if you have never seen one of these things in real life, this thing Huge. is, it is almost <laughs> twice as big as, um, as a regular, like, uh, Questorus class or a yeah. war class knight. He is it's he's, nearly he's, as big as Warhound. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. This this abominant right here, like take him and like make him twice the height, and that's how tall yeah. this is. So this guy is actually a really good user slash abuser, depending on uh, if you're in the receiving end or not, of the, the towering keyword. Um, you will just I don't care if they board up the ruins, you will see right over them. Uh, I would say <laughs> honestly, I'm kind of thinking like I'm putting it at the top of here. But I'm willing to move it kind of like to the bottom of strong choice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But 
don't don't run out and like just buy one of these from Forge World based on what I'm saying here. But like it is, if you have if you have one of these or if you have one you can borrow, like it is totally worth putting on the table. It's pretty good. I can see Universe throw that out. I'm like it's like it's got towering. It's got limited interact in case towering doesn't handle that for you. Um, throw a bunch of war dogs on the table in front of us. These guys in the back line smashing down vehicles. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Okay, uh, so the next one is the uh, the Sharastis Atropos. Um, I was really excited when I saw this one's data sheet, uh, mm. and then I I threw it on the table. I was like, "Oh, this looks good because he's got he's got two guns. He's got like a plasma cutter, and he's got this like singularity cannon, and they both have two profiles. They have, like they both have a smash profile. They both have like a kind of sweep slash profile for shooting." Yeah. And then the laser cutter is also a melee weapon, and it has a smash, and it has a um, a spread profile. And then I I threw it on the table, and it just like wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Um, he's a little he's not super expensive. He's four or five. The issue is that um, when he shoots his big mode, he is he's D three shots on one gun, he's D six in the other. And he's swinging. He is super swingy. He yeah. has, he does have fantastic rules though, um, especially against like towering stuff. So when he shoots a monster or vehicle, he gets plus one to hit. Um, if that monster or vehicle is titanic or towering, he also gets plus one to wound. And his aura is um, consumed with hunger. War dogs within six inches can reroll hit rolls against titanic or towering. Um, so if if we end up like in a Titanic or Towering meta, this guy might be worth looking at, but more because he'll have plus one to wound and the um, all the war dogs would be rerolling hits. Because on his own, I found him a little too swingy. Uh, if you low roll the number of shots, yeah. And something about a lot of these Forge World knights that you'll notice when you put them on the table versus your regular knights is you end up missing that that gun whatever gun that's mounted on the top or whatever gun is mounted on your chest plate, like the pencil gun or something like that, those little incidental shots, you end, you end up really missing those a lot. Um, when I'm, sh when I'm activating my, my big nights, when I'm activating like my despoilers, my war dogs, something like that, it's really nice to be able to be like, okay, well, both, both of my main guns are going into this target. And then my indirect is going over here next night. Mm -hmm. Both my big guns are going to this target. My indirect's going over here. Um, and just with these, this guy and then uh, the Morax, you know, it was a lot of a lot of the same thing. Uh, so unfortunately, I think flawed choice. I think he's I think he's flawed choice just because how sweet he is, and he really misses having that third weapon. Um, but I think if we get into a Titanic Tower meta, I think he can go mm -hmm. through like balanced. But right now, I <laughs> Which, think you know, if patterns hold out. <laughs> Over yeah. the next few weeks, that may very well be. Also, I'm gonna I'm gonna rearrange this a little bit because I don't I don't think the executioner is that bad. I think <laughs> I think it, I think it definitely looks like this guy here for his rules. This guy here, yeah. Move over here. There, that looks a little better. Okay, uh, the abominate. I'll be honest. I haven't tested this guy at the table yet because half his rules relate around uh, battle shock. He forces, he picks something within 12 inches, I believe, and he forces it to do a battle shock test. Um, that could be interesting, especially if you take that one enhancement where um, 
the knight, the bearer of that enhancement, he gets the army rule turn three at arms. So battle shock units that target him are minus one to hit ranged and melee, and he's plus one to wound against battle shock units ranged and melee. Um, in my games, it came up a lot versus orcs and gene silver cult. It didn't really come up for like anyone else, not with the regularity that I could plan mm -hmm. on. He does, uh, he does do mortals in aura. Uh, to everyone within a radius of him. And I want to say it's uh, it's nine inches. I don't... <clears throat> I think if you're pushing up with carnivores um, and you have a lot of stuff pushing up anyhow, that could be interesting. Um, if he's the only thing pushing forward, I think they basically just step back and just like focus him down and you just end up taking a ton of chip damage or losing him free. But I think if you're pushing forward with carnivores, you're pushing forward with like brigands getting angles. Like, you know, as long as you're doing a, a push towards midboard, um, I think this guy could be a big deal, especially as he starts people trying to stage behind ruins to push up on you. And they're just taking a round or two of mortals, you know, on every single unit. I definitely think there could possibly be a build there where you just run three of these. It seems a little bit meme, but it is something that I would actually consider trying. Yeah. Uh, because three of these running up, if you've ever played against uh, Necrons in Ninth Edition when they were running like double Catan and they were just doing um, Sky of Falling Stars yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Um, I think you could have a situation where like you push two or three of these guys up. Um, that could actually do some work. His mm -hmm. gun went up in shots, but it went down in AP. It went from AP1 to AP0. It's got um, that and precious, it, precious, devastating wounds keyword. He has devastating wounds, which they don't. Which most of the Volkite, that's what they've done. They drop the AP off it and give it devastating wounds. That's basically it's devastating wounds is the Volkite rule essentially. So not much changed there. Uh, I believe his his melee actually got slightly better than it did last edition, yeah. which has been interesting because for the most part everyone lost Iconoclast. Um, so the AP and the number of attacks went down across the board. Mm -hmm. So his AP getting a little bit better is nice, and I think it kind of. Um, goes into his role of where he's trying to push forward almost being like kind of like a shock like a shock troop or whatever for the yeah. army where he's pushing forward he's doing splash models he's forcing a battle shock test i just wish battle shock did a little something more so i think that kind of works against him and he's a little bit more expensive than a rampager and a desecrator um so you're paying more and you're getting less a little bit of shrinkflation there but i think this guy's here i think he's totally fine um Thanks, if i saw one of these across the table you know like i'd and it starts pushing forward into the center board. Like I, I give it respect, you know. Um, if I take, if I saw someone running two or three of them, and they start turn one, they don't even shoot their gun. They just advance right at me. Like now, I start actually getting a little bit worried because turn two, right. turn two and on, I'm gonna start taking three d three mortals every single turn. Right, and like not like not an insubstantial number of attacks in close combat because these guys they got like nine base attacks, hits. They've got those three extras. Like they're doing. Yeah, he's he's really good. He's really good at chewing up uh, infantry. Uh, I don't think he'd be that great into to uh, vehicles, but no. that's fine. I think I think I think between doing the mortals and then he runs into tank shocks, like he can get it done. But I think he's definitely strikes me as more of kind of like a a frontline brawler. Um, mm -hmm. Probably chew up. Probably won't take care of like a terminator type brick by himself. Mm -hmm. But like definitely, if you have lots of infantry, like I'm staging in ruins. He can help flush them out. So uh, I think maybe like two of these, they push up, they do a bunch of mortals, and then a unit of carnivores spend the CP to like charge through walls and clear out what's left. Like it gives you choices for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Megara, man, this guy has, uh, 
brings, so brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> so he's not he's not as expensive as the Styrix. He is uh, four oh five. Yeah, he's four oh five. Uh, his he has the same ability, the Huntmaster, um, where he lets War Dogs ignore mm -hmm. uh, modifiers to bliss skill and a hit roll, which is a good roll. Um, he also automatically repairs D three wounds at the end of the command phase, which which isn't bad. You, you definitely get to a point. Um, there's a point in every game where, you're like, as a night player, where you just know the wheels are coming off the bus, or you know that you're kind of like safe. Um, there's this, and this guy kind of pushes the pressure up a little bit more on that, where like he just erases chip damage. Um, in a world where everyone's T twelve and getting cover, like that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, you can quickly get to a point where like, as long as you aren't pushing this guy super aggressively, uh, your opponent could just be like, watch you heal. You know, he'll erase his chip damage, and he's just like, okay, this is just not getting done. Like this game. Um, I initially coming into this, I was going to put him here, but I think I've actually talked myself out of it. I think, I think he ends up here. He's Interesting. You think he's? I'm not even sure. This uh, granted, I might be biased because of how far he's come down, but like he yeah, lost, yeah. Ignore, he lost ignores cover on all his range attacks, right? Um, he's got zero AP. Sustained <laughs> yep. hits two is nice in the lightning cannon, but he has no AP in a universe where mm -hmm. like two and three up saves are very prevalent, and plus one of that armor save is everywhere because of how easy it is to get covered now. So he's throwing mm -hmm. a bunch of shots with no AP into two up saves and hoping for the best. Yeah, it's not great. It's so he, the big thing know. is his his lightning cannon, um his lightning cannon went up in shots. Um it was eight shots before with Tesla. Now it's 12 with Tesla. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, it, it did go down in damage, um, but it went up in strength. It was strength seven before. Now it's strength nine. Mm -hmm. So it's terrible in the vehicles, yeah. um, but pretty pretty decent in infantry. Uh, damage two really holds back. Um, the plasma is roughly the same. It's got some really it's, it's, it's only It's only two shots, uh, four mm -hmm. shots to get close. Um, the rag cleanser, the rag cleanser just is completely a shadow of what it used to be. It still yeah. has anti-infantry two up, it ignores cover. It's twin links, you're ruining infantry on twos, re-rolling. But against stuff that's like stuff that's like mounted or cavalry or stuff like nerglings or whatever, stuff like that's not infantry, like you're just not doing anything too. Yeah. Um, and it's only damage one. It used to be damage three. So I definitely, I think you could probably talk me into looking at the stat line. And what you're saying, like, I think maybe you could probably talk me to this. Yeah. Like, how's it's that really, feeling? Like, he's, de he's definitely better than this guy, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Opinion. Yeah. I think it's, it's um, but the AP zero that hits him that hurts him the most. Because then it's you're the, just, you know, make three up it's, it's the reduced lethality before, uh, for sure. It, like, you're paying 405 points for a G-Wiz, like, cool rule. And we're going to yeah. see, like, later on down here, there's... If you're paying for, like, you know, exotic rules to kind of, like, buff your War Dogs, I definitely think there's better you know, than you could do here. Like I said, I think I, I do at some point want to throw him on the table because I think that lightning cannon, um, 12 shots, he probably realistically probably gets like fours. No, probably gets like two sixes. Yeah, that's four extra shots. That's four extra shots there. So he probably like fires 12, hits with 12 yeah. uh, without any rerolls. That, that seems like okay. Because um, he's only blissed skill too. So he'll He'll drop four hits, but they'll gain four hits. That's mm -hmm. not terrible. And then strength nine against infantry. 
I could definitely see him like kind of chewing up infantry a little bit, but like you, you definitely want you kind of want your big boys to to be shooting at vehicles, not infantry. Um, but yeah, I think I think this guy looking through him, I definitely want to test him a little bit more. But I'm kind of thinking that compared to the, all these other ones we're going to talk about, I think I think you might be right. All right, the knight, uh, the knight Acheron, who is probably my favorite Serastus knight. Let me go ahead and pull up his thing. Man, the Serastus knight chassis has got a massive. He is, yeah. Well, and they're going to be getting a plastic kit too. So, oh. um, and I think I think we've seen like leaks of the sprues that I, I respect. Yeah, they're coming. Something, something in me, something in me, like feels like we won't see a plastic atropos because it's got that kind of mechanicus vibe. Mm, that's true. It's, it's, yeah. it's got a really weird loadout. I'd, I'd be pleasantly surprised if we did, um, but I don't think we will. Um, but I, I would honestly just run a plastic Serastus and then get like uh, third party weapons, just put it on there called atropos. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited about the Serastus models. I think they're the coolest looking knights. Um, so I'm excited to see these guys get a glow up. So this guy, his um, he's 405, which is a pretty standard run of the run of the mill for the uh, for your abhorrent type class. Um, even though he's Serastus, Serastus knights have I want to say three more wounds than abhorrent, and they move a little quicker. They move about two yep. inches quicker. Most abhorrents yep. move ten. Uh, his his two most of these guys have like one ability that affects them and one ability that affects war dogs. His ability that affects himself is when he uh, hits someone with a flamer, it loses cover, which is very good this edition. Um, the second one is uh, Unrestrained Terror. War Dogs within six inches. Um, basically, everyone that is within engaged range of a War Dog that is within six inches of these guys has to take a Battle Shock test. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't really do anything. <laughs> In my experience, because the even with the carnivore, um, just generally, I, I have found that I haven't really been able to like clear out like like bigger units of power armor, or especially like bricks like Terminator equivalent. I don't really do real damage into them unless I commit to like two or more carnivores. Yeah, and we're talking about like two carnivores, maybe tank shock, shooting them a little bit before I before I go in. Like it it's. It's a serious like if someone puts up brick of terminators and I and they don't let me shoot them for a couple turns, which you know, I don't understand why they don't let me shoot their terminators. Like, please let me shoot your terminators, but they don't. Um, and so it requires a pretty substantial commitment. And it would be nice to force a battle shock and then they fail and they're minus one to hit you and you're plus one to wound them. Um, but realistically, they usually will just not fail. You know, you can't bank on it. It's just kind of nice when it happens. Yeah, nice and a lot of times, like I said, most of the games have been extremely fast paced, and I feel like the army rule just turns on like a battle round too too late. Um, we would be having a whole different conversation if Chaos Knights, uh, if they got their second part of their battle, their rule like turn two, they did, like turn two or turn even turn one. I mean, like I don't know, it's it's a mean. Yeah, well, they they game, they. Like, they, they I think they kind of want to do the thing they did with ninth edition where it's like it kind of like snowballs you know as you get more and more afraid and as the warp storm moves in things just get worse and worse but yeah. we're playing index so they trimmed it down to just two two stages i just think it should just probably be like stage one turn like round one and then round two but that's that's a whole nother topic so basically his flamer with the uh with the, the stripping cover is great um his aura unfortunately is 
not great. And in my opinion, the strongest part of Chaos Knights is the War Dogs. So you really want to, you really want a synergistic rule if you're going to bring one of these guys. His weapon is good though. It's 18 inch flamer, which is fantastic, especially because you can push him forward, threaten Overwatch with people. Um, it ignores cover. It's AP one, so it's functionally AP two. That's it's huge. Damage, it's damage two to strength eight. It's two d six shots. Yeah. Uh, he also has a twin heavy bolter that's twin linked, so it's um, it's three shots, um, strength five, AP one, damage two. Unfortunately, it might as well be AP zero because of cover, but it does reroll wounds. It's not terrible. Um, he has his melee weapon is pretty good. Four attack smash, twelve attack sweep. Um, strength 14, AP4, damage 6 for the smash, and then 932 for the sweep. So it's pretty pretty decent as far as knight yeah. melee goes. Yeah. Most knights, most knights in general melee now, unless they're like dedicated melee knights, have four attacks, so that's pretty standard. But 14-4-6 is a really good profile. Yeah, yeah. Get there. Uh, that that ignores cover difference, just like real quick. This is why I'm like so sour on the Magaris. Magaris got like Decent gun, 802, sustained hits. He should be coming in there hit with 12 attacks, right? He's got to roll to wound. Mm -hmm. He's rolled a hit. Hopefully that comes out in your favor. But, like, say you're shooting at Marines and cover, they're saving on two ups. So, like, they're like, here you go. Yeah, make yeah. a bunch of saves. And I'm like, you got it. <laughs> I will make a bunch of saves on twos. Versus this guy who's coming in, auto hitting, uh, ignoring the cover, and has the point of AP. It's like, here, but here are some saves. Now you're rolling. I would put him here. Except for the fact that his aura, you know, like I said, you're all these big knights, you want him to do, do like anything. things, and he really does like one as far as the special rules. Um, his aura just doesn't really come into effect in the game at all. Mm -hmm. His flamer with the ignoring cover and stripping cover is cool, however, there's another knight that does that and does it better. And I'm gonna yeah, skip ahead. This guy right here, the knight tyrant. Um, That's I don't think he's I don't think he's mandatory, so I'm not gonna put him no. up here. Yeah. But I do think, um, I think the, the Valiant version with the Flamer is a little bit better than the Castellan version with the guns. But there's an enhancement uh, that you can take that reduces your armor by, reduces the AP of incoming attacks by one. It works in shooting and melee. And vehicles, including Titanic, can get cover now. Yep. So functionally, this guy has um, zero up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he basically has a zero up against shooting and a uh, one up against melee. Yeah. Um, and he's T13, which is a huge break point. This guy is not. This guy's T12. This guy is T13. He gets a flamer. On top of that, he also gets um, two milk, uh, missiles, which are basically like dark lances um, with D6 plus one damage, strength 12. He gets, um, he gets a little crap gun up top. He also gets a harpoon, which is ballistic skill two for some reason. Um, and has devastating wounds, anti-vehicle, anti-monster, four up. So if you hit the two, and then you hit the four, whatever you're shooting just takes 12 mortals if it's a vehicle or monster. Yep. So that's a little bonus, but it's really the flamer. Yeah. And I don't love this guy in IK, but in CK, Woo! the fact that you can spend a CP and just walk through walls makes that 8-inch move way more palatable. That is, oh God, that makes me so happy that they recognized how big a piece of playing yeah. that stratagem was so great that that strategy was key to making chaos knights work in my opinion uh this guy when i play him i usually for turn one you can usually if you can see anything at all you usually can only shoot the missiles if you're running the uh the harpoon version mm -hmm. a lot of times turn one like i just 
I start them on the line or I start them behind a wall depending the output is, depending what the output is. And then I just turn one, I just advance them. And my goal is to get him into the range of the middle objective by turn two. Yep. And at that point, like he has a 12 inch um, deep strike deny aura. And then he has yep. a aura of cover to war dogs within six inches. Even if they're fully visible to you, even if they're closer to you, as, as long as they're within six inches, of cover, yeah. they get cover. Um, so he just has a lot going for him. The the Castellan version with the volcano lance and the ectoplasma is it's not bad. Um, the plasma is um, it's like d six plus three shots at like nine two three, mm-hmm. which is not bad. And then the the volcano lance is d three shots at strength eighteen ab five damage yes. Yeah. Um, so it's <laughs> damage yeah. Strength twenty yeah. It's, yeah, actually, there you go. Yeah, so it's like it's not bad. It's just like the shooting isn't super reliable. If he's the only long range gun platform you have in your army, you're you're gonna feel that lack of reliability. But he's not super expensive. He's four eighty five. So that gives yeah. you plenty of room for all the guns. So if you take if you take multiple gun platforms, like what I did the last weekend is I ran him, a despoiler, and a desecrator. Between the three of them, like it felt like I had plenty of long range shooting. They basically. Well, yeah. Because, yeah, because I never had a turn where all three of them whiffed, you know, and as I'm activating one at a time, like, I would just change my target priority based on what the previous one did. Yeah. Um, so, again, I don't think this guy is going to be in every single list, so I think that cuts him out of here. I do think he is priced competitively enough, and he has unique enough rules that are relevant and strong and synergistic that this is something you could build around. Um, so I definitely feel comfortable putting here a strong choice. All right. Um, next, everyone's favorite Chaos Knight. I don't know about you. I'm assuming it's your favorite Chaos Knight because you're a man of class. Uh, <laughs> the, the Rampager. This guy is uh, – I have not I have not put him on the table yet. I've just been dying for an opportunity to. Um, I, think, I think the lack of guns and the fact yeah. that towering is – Towering is so meta defining right now. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have any guns that it just kind of feels like ninth edition, which is like everyone's just shooting you for free. <laughs> However, one of those things where like it's not the model's fault. It's just no. a it's just a byproduct of the nature of the rest of the rules of the game. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, however, I is one thing that pulls this guy back from the brink, and that is rapid ingress. Um, I think there's a world where you have this guy and you have a bunch of war dogs who are hiding and you're just kind of like pushing up the field. You're just kind of biding your time. Uh, and then you are using your havoc launchers to kind of like whittle down their screens. And especially if you don't go first, if you go second, um, I really like rapid ingress plays where I lose the first turn roll off and I have to go second mm-hmm. because, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're in a situation where, like, you want to you want to rapid ingress. You move first, and then bottom of turn one, they move, and that's where you really see these juicy opportunities to rapid ingress. But you can't because you're still in the first battle round. Yep. You know what I mean. Whereas if you go second, if you go second, um, they go, then you go, then they go again, and you rapid ingress right then and there. Yep. And then bottom of turn two, you get you get to really pull off some good plays. Um, but I think 
I think there is a world, I think there's a concept um, that I think is worth testing uh, where this guy just goes in reserves because you reserve now for free. Mm -hmm. uh, he rapid ingresses and his special ability is once per game, he can advance and charge. So, so he comes on, he comes on uh, from reserves, outflanks. You spend a you spend a CP CP to rapid ingress. You activate the advance and charge. You spend a CP to run through a wall, or you just run through the wall in the charge phase. You you are going to be spending a CP to go through a wall at some point. And just like that scene from X Men with like Juggernaut like running through like twenty walls, <laughs> you do that. You do that with this guy, and then you spend another CP and you just give you just give your opponent the tank shot of their lives as you roll, <laughs> as you roll like twenty two dice. And do six away. Right, you're gonna take six morals, bro. Also, these are all sustained hits. One, yes, I'm rolling 18 dice to hit. And he gives a reroll, uh, nine inch or captain or reroll ones, uh, to carnivores, you know. So, if you were if you didn't get the word about 10th edition being a shooting meta and you just want to live your own truth, um, yeah, just run the just run this guy and six mm -hmm. carnivores, and then after that, like, who cares what the rest of your list is. <laughs> But do not, at point, don't leave him on the table if you can avoid yeah. it. Like reserve that bad boy. Definitely. Yeah, I think that I think this guy is great with uh, rapid ingress out of reserves. Okay, um, the man. If this guy is not like the most balanced, I don't know what is. I think I believe it's <laughs> cheapest. This guy might actually be. I can't remember. Rampager is three ninety five. The Desecrator is three ninety. Uh, this is our cheapest knight. Um, he, so his gun got better. It basically has the, uh, the relic diamonds built in now, mm -hmm. um, so you get a third shot, your ballistic skill two now, um, so, you're, so really likely, uh, I believe you have a greater than 50% chance to just connect with all three shots on the hit roll. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's how math works. No, you're good. That's, that is accurate. <laughs> so, so whereas before when you were hitting on threes with two shots, now you're hitting on twos with three shots. Um, the strength isn't quite a high enough break point where you're wounding vehicles on twos, but it um, but it does have devastating wounds now. Uh, and I believe you have a coin flip chance, or just less slightly less than a coin flip chance of getting one six every time you activate this guy. Funny enough, I didn't realize till after I was a couple games in. The devastating wounds ability is tied to the data sheet when he targets a vehicle or monster, not to the gun itself. So yeah. make sure you don't make sure you don't split fire that stubber. Shoot the stubber at the vehicle too. You'll probably get a mortal wound out of this. Add some mortals in there for sure. Yeah, because if you're rapid fire, it's six shots. Um, hitting on twos, drop one. You know, you're wounding. You'll probably be wounding on sixes, but if you wound, it's a mortal. So it's not bad. Uh, he gives rerolls of ones to. Um, to your shooting knights within nine inches. Uh, and you can take a melee weapon him. Unfortunately, he only has four attacks with the smash profile, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty par for the course for knights. However, however, um, again, you're going to be noticing a lot of the stuff that needs CP. Um, so you, I do think Chaos Knights love tactical objectives, so you can discard him for extra CP. Uh, this guy is not bad in a pinch of melee because you go in, you tank shot someone. Um, so I really like him in a balanced list with a bunch of brigands and a bunch of uh, carnivores because the carnivores can kind of help him out in melee. And he lets the brigands hit on twos and real ones, make it very accurate. So I would put him, I'm thinking here, 
I'm going to put him right behind Mr. Shooty Man because if you want to shoot two things dead every turn, like this is this is your man. He's still going to die. Straight yeah. up. But beyond that, like these three right here are kind of like your Codex Knights that all do a special thing. And I think I actually want to do this. Um, but this is roughly about where they want to be. Like they're totally balanced. They're totally fine. You kind of pick your choice. They're not too expensive. The rules are mostly always relevant. Um, they're good in multiple phases for the most part, except for this guy. Um, they're just these are just good knights all around, and you don't you don't have to feel bad about throwing them on the table. I don't know, like what do you think? No, I think I think you're right. Like you know, none of these guys are bad. They're not ultra strong on their own or with their support, but they do a little bit of work. Yeah, I think yeah. these these guys are balanced. Good. I think for sure the rampager over the uh, bomb because they're sort of similar roles, but the rampager gives you a little more flex. Um, yeah, especially with the rapid ingress move, rapid ingress move. Ex exactly. And plus, you get style points. Um, <laughs> so next up, anymore, back to the War Dogs, uh, the Huntsman. Uh, so this guy is pretty cheap, 145 on top of my head. Uh, he can't take the indirect. He His choice is either a belt gun up top or the stubber. Um, but his special rule is he gets to, and he's forced to take the uh, the Demon Spear, um, which is strength 12, 84, D6, uh, melt of 4, uh, 24 inches. Uh, good weapon. Then he has his chainsaw with four attacks. Um, eight attacks with the sweep, four attacks to smash. But his special rule is he gets to reroll ones to wound and then damage against vehicles and monsters. Um, these guys are honestly like a little bit underrated. I think all yeah. the rest of the knights, I think the rest of the knights, like they're all kind of like sexier, if that makes sense. Um, so these guys don't get talked about a bunch. But the couple times I've thrown them on the table and they've been relevant, they've been really good. Um, yeah. The two shots for the Melta and then that extra shot um, for the Melta gun. Um, it's really nice when you basically have a built-in lieutenant reroll. And then you also don't, when you're going into that hard target like Magnus or Terminators or something like that, you finally manage to get them to fail a save. You don't have that feels bad where you flub it and you roll one in the damage. Roll one, yeah. And it's especially nice. out like that. It's such a big deal. Yeah. It's also really nice when you get within 12 inches for the, uh, the Demon Breast Spear. And you you roll the one, and then you get to re-roll it. So you're getting at least at least six damage through on the demon spear on a failed save, which feels good. Um, again, I've, I've alluded to it multiple times. I'm of the opinion that the the unique thing that that chaos knights really have that would make you want to run them over imperial knights is their war dog chassis and the um, the walk through wall strat. Um, and I think. I think these guys leverage those fine. I'm going to put them up here at strong choice. Yeah, I agree with that. They, they could be here. They could be here. I don't. I don't think it really makes much of a difference, to be honest. Um, okay, next one, Stalker. These guys, a little bit of a mixed opinion. I don't. I don't love them, but if you take a pure War Dog list, you're going to be forced to run them. Um, because they are a character. Mm -hmm. If you try to run, they're also the cheapest war dog at 135 points. So that definitely bears in mind. And because they're part of the new kit, they have access to the newer weapons, like the mm -hmm. Habitat, the Chain Cannon, the Slaughter Claw. Uh, their special ability is when they target a enemy unit that is not within six inches of any other friendly enemy units, they get plus one to wound. Um, if there was more chaff in the game, that would be really that would really come up into play. Uh, yeah. With the chain cannon mm -hmm. and the and the slaughter claw, not the slaughter claw, the uh, chain sword. Um, 
it can sometimes come up for the Havoc launcher. It can be kind of nice if you're going, if you're punching into kind of like tougher stuff that's out on the flank alone. Um, but the fact that they can take enhancements um, and that they let you open up a pure Wardog list makes them pretty good in addition to being the cheapest. Um, these guys are great also with these enhancement for 25 points to make an objective sticky if you control in your command phase. Mm. Because sometimes you you might run into a situation where you're kind of like, okay, well, if I throw this knight out into that objective in the open, they could survive for one turn. I'm okay with losing it because they don't have anything to put on that objective and I don't have to worry about that objective for like the rest of the game. But with your big knights, what I was running into is my big knights want to go one direction to try to get angles on the stuff, whereas the objective I want sticky was kind of far away. And if I went over there, I would lose all that shooting for the big knight. And it forced me to these like awkward push-pull kind of decisions. Um, so I I definitely like taking like one of these guys with the sticky objective if I can afford it. Or if you're running pure dog list, like you have to run one. I think the chain cannon is unfortunately not very effective at AP1. Yeah. Uh, although I don't hate it, but I generally think that if you run these guys, you run them with the Melta, you run them with the Slaughter Claw, and then you run them with the indirect launcher. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it just sends up a good value piece. Gosh, it's so different than just what a difference a few weeks make, right? Like, Chain yeah, Cannon yeah. is so good two months mm -hmm. ago. Now you're just like, oh, Chain, Chain Cannon is still good on a particular platform, and we will right. get there. Um, I will put these guys right here. I think maybe the Huntsman might be a little bit more valuable, but like I think if you're running pure dogs, um, I think I end up like running like one or two of these guys for a run here. The other thing I have to mention is if you run the 14 dog list, the only way to really make it fit is to run a lot of these guys, which then opens you up to people just picking assassinate, bring it down to you. And you're you end up in a really rough spot as for secondaries. All right, this guy basically kind of like the big brother to the rampager. This is the Lancer. So this guy has that shield is not for show. He has a four up invuln all the time. All the time. All the time. And <sighs> pull up his data sheet. He's so he good. Moves, so he moves 14. So he is fast and he is fantastic with the Knights of Shade strategy. The, yeah. the um, unfortunately, he does not advance in charge like the Rampager does. Um, but moving 14, like that kind of goes a long way to like make up for it. Um, I think he kind of sometimes has the same issues the Rampager does. He's a, he's quite a bit taller. He's about 30% taller than the uh, Abhorrent Knights. Mm -hmm. So towering, he's a lot easier to get a little bit chewed up and take more damage you'd like on the way in. Um, he actually does have a ranged weapon, that Lance. He can like kind of like point, point at people and taser them. 12 inch um, range, staying two. 12 inch range, six shots. It's AP, it's strength six, AP zero damage two, but it's got Tesla, you know, all the lightning bolts yeah. coming out of it. it. It's, it's cute, it chips, it's not bad. The melee weapon, though, slams. Uh, he has, so he can do sweep or smash. If he smashes, uh, he has five attacks, which is one more, which is one more than a typical knight, but is pretty typical for a pure melee knight. They tend to have more attacks than the uh, more balanced loadouts. Weapon skill 2, uh, strength 20, AP 3, damage 8, and it has lance. So a strength 20 with plus 1 to wound. So you're winning literally anything in the game on 2s when you charge. Yeah, With minus 3 AP, doing 8 I damage each. <laughs> but also, he lets you um, he lets you tank use tank shot stratagem on him for 0 CP, even if you use it somewhere else. So if you really want to go for big style points, 
you can um, you can charge with the Rampager and then you can charge here and you can tank shot the Rampager for one CP and you can tank shot here for zero CP. You'll do 12 mortals and then you start something. Yeah. Um, if you can set that up, like my, you know, my hat is off to you because that's big style points and whatever you hit <laughs> is almost assuredly dead. Um, his aura is not bad either. It's um, basically all war dogs at the six inches hit, their ranged weapons have assault, which is pretty cool. So let's just, he basically speeds up your army. So there's there's a world where I think like maybe you run maybe you run this guy, maybe you run a rampager, you run them both, and then you run um, probably a mix of carnivores and brigands again. Mm -hmm. Weed and uh, that that could be a pretty fun list. This again is one of those spots where I'm like, God, towering and ranged output is just so powerful right now in the game. However, this guy's close combat potential is like sky high. Well, and he has a four bin vault all the time, so you have to spend you have to spend CP to rotate. And he has not more wounds. Well, he has a four. His four bin vault is melee as well. Yeah. So I'm gonna put this guy up here. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's really good, man. So the free tank shock, I love his aura. That that aura doesn't it sounds like neat. And then you put that type of thing on the table, you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Um you basically your your brigands hit on threes, but they get to advance and shoot now and get yeah. and catch angles. Um, this guy is just absolutely thunderous when he goes through a wall. And just having the four bin bowl that's on all the time is tremendous. Yeah. It's um, one of those things where it's like if you reframed his uh war dog buff as like add d6 move to <laughs> <laughs> all your war dogs in a radius exactly like, oh yeah that's what's happening holy shit or you run that situation where your opponent's like okay i minus one to hit and you're like okay cool now all my war dogs are gonna move extra d6 like yeah. thanks um so i'm not really sure what happened here where like canis rex popped in uh, <laughs> but this is our this is our spoiler um so i I would say I love hate this guy, but I mostly just love him. Um, if you just want output in a very selfish platform and you just want to leverage um, towering, this is the man for you. Uh, so he can basically take the rapid fire battle cannon, uh, which comes with the underslung stubber, uh, which is D6 plus three shots off the top of my head, but it's rapid, it's 72 inches in rapid fire. So realistically, most times you're going to be. 2d6 plus six and it's blast so if you shoot a, a unit of five uh you're going to be 2d6 plus seven and if you shoot a unit of ten you're gonna be 2d6 plus eight uh it's ap1 though so you're gonna live and die with that loadout based on how well you can cut angles to deny cover uh he can take a havoc launcher up top which is the one i like the most it's exactly the same as the word i have a launcher you just get it's d6 plus one shots and then he has a, uh, or you can take an auto cannon that has anti-fly, or you can take a rocket launcher that gives you a little bit extra of, uh, like, strength AD, six damage type anti-tank shooting. It's okay. I, I think you just take that direct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His other choices are the Gatling, uh, which is 36-inch range, uh, 6 two, two, 18 Lord. shots. Lord. Double double Gatling is... Double Gatling is pretty gross. Um yeah. You you kind of run into a situation where like you're winning on fives versus vehicles, but with yeah. AP two and damage two and that many shots, like it almost doesn't matter. You'll just you'll just chew them down between this guy and the war dogs. You'll, you'll get it done. Um, he is scary. 
The big, and he also has a floating, uh, you can reroll one hit or one wound roll when you activate him, mm-hmm. which is really funny with the double thermals, because uh, the thermal cannon is 24 inches, um, 2d3 shots, strength 12, AP 4, uh, D6, uh, D6 damage, melt to 6. So your D6 plus 6 damage when close range, off the top of my head, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, whenever I run, ran him with double thermal, though, he just got he just got every gun in the world pointed at him. He just got suffered critical existence failure, usually by the top of turn two or the bottom of turn one. Um, but I think there's play with double thermal uh, out of reserves. Um, or you can start him. What I was running, I was liking, I was liking uh, rapid fire battle cannon plus Gatling or double Gatling sounds good. Um, double rapid fire battle cannon, it was, the AP was just a little too low. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives an aura of uh, like reroll battle shock test or leadership test for war dogs. Like it never comes up. Um, but he has so much raw output on his own that yeah, I absolutely put here strong choice. Possibly, possibly even here. This guy, this guy is cool and he's really hard to kill. And some armies just can't deal with him, but other armies just like will just devloon him out of existence or ignore him. <laughs> this guy, this guy makes his presence known in every single game. Now sometimes it's Sometimes they basically, you know, he draws all the fire for the rest of your army, and then he dies before he ever gets to fire a shot. But this guy does work. Um, yep. He's just kind of a selfish model. All right, we're almost done. Uh, the Same. Castigator, we're kind of saving the best for last year. This wasn't planned. Um, Cliff, <laughs> Cliff, how would you feel if you had your despoiler with a single Gat- uh, Gatling cannon, but he moved four inches faster, had three extra wounds, and his Gatling cannon got to reroll wounds. Would you like that? That sounds amazing. What's the what's the tax I'm paying for those bonuses? Oh, the tax you're paying is you're paying about like 15 points. Oh, and we're not done. He also has a six-inch aura of uh, ranged oh. weapons for your war dogs have exploding sixes. What are we doing? Straight to the top. <laughs> Straight to the top. Straight to the top. Right there. Um, yeah, for about 25 points more than a desecrator, you you get a buff that's almost twice as strong. So a desecrator, desecrator is reroll ones to hit. This guy, the aura is a little bit tighter, six inches versus nine inches, but it's functionally plus one to hit. Um with a great gun and okay, it's okay melee. And he's a little bit more durable because he's got the extra wounds and he's a little bit faster. Um, I think, I think uh, it's the way Chaos Knights is shaping up, these guys here are like fine. No one's really going to make fun of you if you run them. These guys up here, you probably would run one or two big knights, but each one has like some special thing they do that is worth building around. Um, and that's that's generally at a, and at a competitive point cost. And I think that's generally what kind of makes the difference. Um, so, yeah, this guy, I, I love this guy. Um, looking forward to getting more games with him soon. All right, the Carnivore. Uh, this guy, a little expensive. He's 160 points. Um, but the thing is, is Chaos Knights shoot way harder than they do in Ninth Edition. And mm-hmm. A thousand points of Chaos Knights is enough to make people just hide their entire army behind a wall. And you need ways to dig them out. The Havoc launchers just don't do it by themselves. Thankfully, we have a strat to go through walls. And we also have these guys who move 14 inches. They move tremendously fast and they have reroll charges built in. They also have the old Iconoclast aura built in or buff built in. 
So it's um, six attacks with the with the claw at um, weapon skill two, strength 12, AP three, D6 plus two damage. Or you can do the sweep attack with the chainsword. There's never a reason to do the smash with the chainsword. Um, there was reasons in ninth edition based on how much AP versus how much damage you needed. But now in 10th now edition, the claw is just strictly better if you're going for the smash. Um, there is a strat that I'd love to use with these guys. One is tank shock. The other one is where you pick at the start of the um, shooting or the fight phase, you pick as many war dogs that, are, that have as you want, and you pick one unit that's eligible target for all of them. They can only target them, but they get exploding sixes. Uh, if you tag team a unit with a pair of carnivores, that's a really good strat to just give your carnivores exploding sixes, giving up to the 100% hit rate mm -hmm. uh, average. That's that's 12 swings. You're probably lose or threes if they have like a minus one to wound. Um, and then usually if you're, if you're going to bricks, uh, every failed save is a dead model. Or if you're going to vehicles, you really mess it up. Um, combined with tank shock, they're just really good. I think the more games I've played, I've tried to skip on these guys and zero felt like trolling because people just hide behind <laughs> walls and you lose to you would lose to walls and you'd lose to lone operatives. Um, mm -hmm. that, oh, that made me feel really dumb. Um, when I ran two, people would just kind of push up and would chew them up. Like they would catch angles to them and they would just try to chew them up on the way in. And then you kind of ended up in these awkward situations where like, well, I could bust through that wall, but there's a coin flip chance I die through to an overwatch before I ever make the charge. Yeah. Um, right now I'm running like five, which has been good because now it's kind of like I put like two or three in reserve. Um, it gives me opportunities to come in on the flanks, to do rapid ingress, to just bring in three all at once and then try to like make like six charge rolls um, while two of them push up and push through walls while everything else is shooting. Uh, so I think these guys, you have so much shooting here. I think you really, really, really you need those guys. Yeah, you need I them. To I, that's that's what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. uh, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna see these in every single list um, because you mm -hmm. you end up being kind of like like DJ Khaled, kind of suffering from success with all the guns. <laughs> and this is this is your answer right here. Yeah, so you keep people honest. All right. Um, unfortunately, I don't know where my Morax one went, but I'll tell you what, the Morax is going to go down here in flawed choice, maybe at the top of it, because the Graviton Pulsar is pretty good at mm -hmm. six two at six two three. It's 170 points, though, and it doesn't have a top gun. Yeah, and it's the it is, for them. Yeah, so, but it is strictly inferior to these guys right here, the Brigand. Uh, for 150 points, you get two strength 12 um, 24 inch melter shots. You get an indirect um, strength five AP zero damage one D six shot blast launcher with forty eight inch range, I believe. Um, you get the chain cannon, uh, who's who's been reduced to twenty four inches, but it's pretty much got the same stat line as before. It's strength six AP one now damage one with twelve shots, but brigands went up to bliss skill two. Uh, if you've ever played brigands as dreadblades with worthy offerings. Um, in ninth edition, you know how big of a deal that is when you're shooting yep. at vehicles. Uh, and it, it makes those melts extremely accurate. And then not only that, but when you're shooting at the closest eligible target, uh, you get an extra AP, which puts which potentially pushes your Havocs to AP1 and your uh, Melta to AP5. But the big deal is your chain cannon, um, which you're realistically going to get about 10 hits on, is now AP2. And especially, and they're fast enough to cut angles and deny cover. 
So you can end up in situations where you're functionally AP3 when you're denying cover and you're the closest yep. and you're getting AP2. And these guys will just chew up stuff like like even two wound power armor, they just force enough saves that they just chew stuff up really quickly. And I'll be honest, I think every single list starts with like four to six of these. And I I'm gonna put them right up here. I'm with you. Yep. So I think we're back somehow. <laughs> Yeah. The UW designers were they were like, hey man, people love war dog lists in this chaos night situation. They're like, they sure do, keep it up. Uh, yep. But you know what? Like, honestly, even though like I don't think I think if anything ends up down here, I think it's like this guy, honestly. Yeah. And that's probably that's probably it. Like, I think these I think these guys down here have their issues, but you could you could run these ones at like an RTT and probably do fine. Yeah. Um this guy's a little bit sad. Um, very sad what happened to him, especially because I have some cool custom ones. Um, mm. But these guys are very balanced. This is probably the biggest surprise of the edition. So far I know right here. <laughs> so that I'm telling you, like th throw him up on TTS and and give it give it a try. The only thing he's not a turn, that guy kills two things a turn. It's hilarious. <laughs> and I mean, look at this. If this was ninth edition, there wouldn't be any any of these big guys of strong choice. No, certainly not a certainly not yeah. a. Uh, a tyrant or no. a serastus you no. know despoiler was like seven almost like 700 points last edition you know so i don't know i think considering that our army rule doesn't really come up very often like i'm i don't know what do you think i'm very happy with with how like the, the book has shaken out so far i think it looks pretty good they've got they benefit from just like they've got strong data sheets um, mm -hmm. they've got decent synergy with respect to output um yeah i think they're like I think they're in a good place. And of course, you know, the overarching towering keyword, lots of output, reasonably durable. His vehicles are more durable now. They benefit from cover too. Yeah, like they're in a good spot. I think what's tough is the comparison between Chaos Knights and Imperial Knights. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's kind of like tenth, that's like 10th edition in a nutshell. It's definitely like halves, half knots. But um at the start of night, well, back. I started getting back into the game at the end of seventh edition, start of eighth edition, and there was three, uh, like four chaos factions at the time. Realistically, yeah. um, you had CSM, you had Thousand Suns, you had Death Guard, and you had Demons, all of which were just had all sorts of different playstyles, and a lot of times were just like strictly worse than like other armies of the game. Or you had to like be like a mega mind like eight book wizard who would like combo like four different books and like get, <laughs> and like a forge world supplement and then like at the time of list submission yeah. like they would magic they would magically forget what part of the army they were and then like they would yeah. gain the same keyword and that's why you're like forge world character who's been out of print for five years can now like can warp time three can like warp time and move three times at a turn and then charge and be invisible and you're just like okay sure whatever cool. but now we have six yeah. Now we have six chaos factions, and they're all mostly roughly in a roughly in a good spot. Um, so, sorry, Death Guard, um, but there's it feels like there's a chaos faction for everyone. And as far as it's taken out, like I'm pretty happy where CK is as my preferred. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, like I've got all I've got some war dogs hobbied up from the Sogrogly, so I'm pretty excited about like yep. front of the table. So I can't do it because I'm in shared screen mode, but uh, we have a comment in the chat, it's five dollar super chat from Neb. Uh, who I actually just played. That was a game I played. Uh, that's my friend Ben. I played him earlier today, hey. and he Thanks, says man. the change. 
Yeah, go ahead and pin that uh, so we can see it. But he says the changeling <laughs> should have an honorary spot on this list because you know he'll be an every night list and he is dumb. Oh, no, I can't. Uh, I don't, uh, I'll, I'll do it when, when I exit out of here. But, yes, yeah. the changeling is dumb. He should probably be in every list um, because turn two, he pushed up Magnus to uh, try to shoot him, and the changeling just uh, hit the six and just turned off Magnus for a turn. Oh, and no. just just absolutely hard scammed him. And Ben, I'm sorry, I owe you a beer for that. That's tough. Where <laughs> is all right? Cool. Let me stop screen. What a character changing is, man. Lone op plus utility is bananas. Well, so he's look. So he has a good flamer. So he's actually kind of depending on what shows up. Like if somebody like GSC shows up, his flamer is actually kind of scary when he overwatches them. Um, he is stealth all the time. He is lone op. You have to take a battle shock test to target him in shooting or range. And in a CK list, you'll probably take that at minus one. You, um, then if he can see you, if he's within 12 inches, he targets you, rolls the dice on a two through five, you're minus one to hit. On a six, you just don't get to shoot at all. And then if you, and then if you manage to push through all that, he still has stealth. So you're still gonna take a minus one to shoot at him. And he has a four pin bolt. So he is like scam central. Um, 75 points. Put him in, put him in your CK list. He's real good. All right, man. Uh, that's enough of me talking about Chaos Knights. Uh, let's move on to the big boys and IK. Do you have a uh, do you have a tier list ready? You want me you want me to throw up mine? I've got it. Hold on, let me throw it up. It's uh, presentation mode sitch present screen. Sick. All right, we're in. So I can't tell what it looks like. All right. Zoom in on this. All right, so we got Imperial Knights. All of the above, all of our choices here are gonna be informed by a couple of things. One, towering is crazy um, because it effectively gives all of your weapons indirect with no penalties, which is super exciting. <laughs> and then two, uh, there's two versions, there's two interpretations of the Imperial Knights rule um, that allows you to reroll a one on hit or wound rolls. There's a, what I believe to be a reasonable interpretation, which means that like every time you shoot or activate a knight in melee, you reroll a single hit of one and a single to wound roll of one. And then there's an alternative to, or interpretation which is just like, nah, you reroll all the ones for all the things all the time. Apparently, I think we're I think we're due for another uh, Goonhammer Cherub type situation where like, yeah the wrong the wrong message just gets out there and it can like and the correction never quite like catches the critical mass that like the wrong info did because yeah. i've heard whispers in the dark that a lot of major events including some of the gw opens are re-ruling the uh are ruling it to be the more egregious re-rolling everything yeah uh and if that's the case you know you might as well just bump every wherever these land just bump everything up a single tier because that's just like an outrageous increase in efficiency for any weapon you're using on any Chassis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So about, yeah. about I think eight percent. That's about no. It'd be more than that because you're rerolling because you're rerolling the wound rolls too. You're 
Yeah, it's like high 30s. Yeah. That's, <laughs> which is well, uh, amazing. Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. All right, well, let's get into it. The Oh, that's tough. Thank you, EverReadyX. Saying the issue is that all other language, uh, all other languages, I'm assuming, in the translated indices say that it's all ones to hit with, which is, you know, good times. Uh, very balanced, both with respect to Chaos Knights and to the other factions in the game. Um, all right, let's get this bad boy started. So what we've got here is, is the knight. One of the Sarastas chassis. Believe the Acheron. Uh, Acheron. Yep. The Acheron, and uh, he is in the uh, night. Acheron, three eighty-five. Yep. So he's got the flamer that we talked about. Two six eight one two. Torn Gore's covered. Twin heavy bolter. Cool. Chain fist, etc. Five have been bowling against shooting. Same basic rules. Unlike the chaos side, though, instead of it being selfish, he's got bondsman duties because all the Questor's chassis have, and the Dominus chassis have some sort of interaction with uh, armager scale models. Uh, so in this case, his bondsman duty, which he you know he benefits from if he's able to target a armager chassis, is provided to since at the start of the fight phase, every enemy unit engagement range with one or more units with that ability has to take a battle shot test at minus one. It's like that's cool. It's okay. Uh, it's got 25 wounds, 12-inch move, 5 of invulnerable range. There are better options than this guy uh, for Imperial Knights. So I don't even think, like, he makes balanced. I think he's outright flawed, <laughs> given what, is, what else is available here. Yeah, if, if he was the only big 18-inch flavor knight, like, maybe he like, slams into balanced because you, you can, like, Overwatch with them, and that's kind of yeah. cute. Um, but yeah, like as we've seen, like the Battle Shock is just, I think they missed the mark with Battle Shock. Maybe they'll tune it, you know, yeah. later on in the edition. But right now, Battle Shock is largely ignorable. Um, yep. It feels like eighth edition morale. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to do this in a slightly different order and just run through all the Serastis chassis. Sure. So the Serastis Knight Atropos. Again, this guy with the last cutter, the Singularity Cannon. Um, his Bondsman duty is very good. <laughs> so when a model is affected by that ability, again, that's going to be him and one or two Armager chassis, depending on whether you gave him that enhancement. Uh, every time that model makes an attack that targets a Titanic or Towering model, you can reroll the hit roll, and you can reroll the wound roll. That's full, full rerolls to hit to wound against Titanic or Towering. Uh, and then he himself, when he makes an attack that targets a monster vehicle, Titanic and Towering, add one to the hit roll for monster vehicle, add one to the wound roll for Titanic or Towering. So this dude is ultra consistent, high damage into other knights, essentially, or other knight level chassis. And he gives that out to one of the other armatures, maybe to even take the enhancement again. I think he's pretty good. I wouldn't necessarily think say that he's a strong choice given some of the options that are available, but He's cheaper. Than, he's pretty strong. So he's three eighty five. He's cheaper than the CK one because the CK yeah. one. So the CK one gives an aura to all war dogs of reroll mm -hmm. hits, whereas mm -hmm. he gives an aura or he points and clicks to one to two, 
and gives them uh, rerolls hit and wound, and which makes which makes which makes sense when you think about it because you only have warglaves and helverins, right. whereas and you can only pick up to two depending on the enhancement. Whereas CK have five different data sheets, and you can yeah. really lean into it. And so that's what that's what like the balance kind of is. Uh, the big issue again, um, just like the chaos version, is when you look at his profile and you see six different profiles, it looks great on paper, but then you realize in the shooting phase, you only get to activate two of those weapons yep. and the melee phase, you only get to activate one. Yep. And so when you shoot, when you shoot this guy at big targets, which you're going to want to, his last cutter is D six shots and his uh, graviton singularity cannon, which by the way is the most metal name for a weapon ever <laughs> is, is D three shots. Yeah. Um, granted the Graviton is blast, so you do have that. Yeah. And it's gonna feel really good when you shoot the uh the Graviton cannon at someone and it's devastating wounds, and you just uh, absolutely obliterate someone for like decent oh, plus one portals. The thing is though, is like realistically, you're getting like, like you're getting four to five shots on this guy on average, and then if you just have that one turn where you roll a little bit below average and it's like three shots, it feels a little it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it I mean the consistency. The reroll, the full rerolls to hit wound help with consistency. So even if you do get low output, you know you're very likely to connect. Yeah, it's still at the at the whims of that D six volume roll. I definitely, I definitely feel it's it's hard because he has such a uh, he has such a, a niche, and when that niche is good, he's good. Yeah. But when it's not, and you're trying to just force him into like to just be a take all comer, it feels bad. And it's like, is that really his fault? He is yeah. he's cheap for what he is. I think man, I think he's at the bottom of balance or the top of flawed. Yeah. Because I think if you're I think if you're if if Imperial Knights take over the meta, um, because they had a strong weekend this past weekend. I don't Very. see that ending. I think this could be like a neat little tech piece, like a little ace up your sleeve, where you run like you know, not to bury the lead, but you run like you run Canis Rex, you run a castigator or or like a um or a crusader. Yeah, and then you take this guy's kind of like the ace up your sleeve. Yep. It'll just kind of give you like a little slight edge into like the nightmare. Um, so yeah, I think I think where he's at is fine. We can adjust this too. Yeah, I think you're right about the bottom of balance because it's so meta dependent. Like what is happening? Like he he's going to feel great when it's appropriate, and it's going to feel off. But you'll also know when yeah. it is and isn't good. He's he's such a cool model too. Yeah, yeah and I think you, you definitely get style points for bringing him. <laughs> All right, next up, we're going to roll with the, oh, actually, let's, with, let's go with the Lancer. We've got the Lancer. Yes, this guy slams in close combat. We talked about it already. Um, you're, gonna, you're, you're slamming mortal wounds with uh, the free tank shot. You are crushing whatever it is you want to crush. In close combat with your strength 20 hits if you're like charging something that's a vehicle it's great the other thing that he does is that he gives both himself and an armager advanced charge uh, which is cool that's awesome uh same you know same vibe as we've got going on and yes i really like speeds things up especially for your close combat armagers if you're taking them maybe you're not uh, that said again given some of the ranged output that Imperial Knights have access to, I'm not sure that this guy's like 
the strongest choice, especially given that we have access to Canvas Rex, who's an absolute monster. Yeah, he's he's expensive. He's four thirty. Right. I think this guy actually has a small, a slight synergy with uh, Canis Rex because you can use tank shock on him for zero CP, even if you use it somewhere else. And hit it on Canis. You can do it on Canis, and then you can spend one CP to do it for real somewhere else. Yeah. So if you charge with three big boys, which I think most Imperial Nightless are running two to three big boys, yep. and one of the other ones is Canis Rex, you can theoretically yeah. if someone has a big brick of custodian or aberrants or uh scarable terminators or the uh marker nurgle untargetable uh csm terminator brick you're like they put it up and they're kind of like hey stat check how are you gonna deal with this and you're like i'll tell you how 18 more <laughs> and then i start and then i started blasting yeah. so yeah. um i i do i i really am enjoying this kind of push pull between what they're doing with the Imperial Knights and what they're doing with the Chaos Knights. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. advance and charge on this guy is roughly equivalent to like the the big Chaos Knights just going through walls. Because mm -hmm. if you're advanced charge a big knight, you're probably having to like steer around walls a little bit. Whereas mm -hmm. the big knight is not advanced charge, but you're just going through it. That probably ends up being a wash. Yeah. This guy potentially brings two small knights with him. Yeah, that's big because um, Chaos Knights can only put one big guy or two small guys through a wall in a phase. Right. Whereas this guy, he can give himself and two of his little yeah, buddies, buddies, bring them along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, you're pushing up with your other two big guys, setting up for that massive like triple tank shock, or whatever. If you're trying to, especially if you go turn one, you're trying to establish that mid board kind of presence. You're just trying to be a, a, a like a center of the table bully. Um, he does feel strong for that. And again, like I can't overestimate, overstate this enough. Having an always on four Binvolm um, oh. shooting at melee is huge. And that here is with Imperial Knights it's in combination with a six up field no pain across all the models. Yeah. Like I, so it's got to stick around. I would, I'm kind of feeling like he's, you have so many good choices for the big Knights. I, um, he doesn't quite place as highly with the CK by that nature. But I think I would definitely say he's at the top of balance, maybe bottom of strong. Yeah, this guy's for the work. If you've got a plan and you need highly mobile post combat pressure that can get there and still do the work and have enough either wounds to get there or be fast enough to get there before he takes a bunch of damage, this guy's going to do the work for you. So yeah, Cliff, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you real quick because my my batteries I thought they were at eighty percent, but they're they're about to turn off of me. So I'm gonna turn off my camera real quick and all go good. grab a fresh set of headphones. I'll be back in a moment. Hey, all good. In the meantime, we'll move out into another Sarasis chassis, or we can just hit up hit up the chat, see what's going on. Jim, I hear you on the magnetization. Yeah, I threw up a video of the Wraith Knight magnets in. That I threw one up in Discord. I'm gonna do another one. It's been like a pleasure to hobby. It's like really fun, really fun. Um, Sam, you're right. We need sillier, sillier uh, categories. We better rose here, especially like tournament staple stuff. Uh, could have been like X and one instead. We'll hit it up next time. Um, XF already X. Man, I cannot. People that are still with us. For context, one of the Chaos Knight 
data sheets had a built-in reroll ones to wound and reroll ones on damage rolls against monsters and vehicles, right? And that was the buff for that specific data sheet with a very specific role. If the current inter interpretation of the Imperial Knights faction rule is flat, we roll ones to hit and we roll ones to wound, that is orders of magnitude more powerful than like a specific data sheet ability on an already highly targeted against vehicles data sheet. And that would just be a shame. Um, as an Imperial Knights player who has like tons of lovingly painted big boys waiting for me to bust out on the table, that, that level of output is just a little egregious, especially given potential you get with the towering keyword. It's just um, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. Let's see how it goes though. Maybe you just want us to all have housecraft rules from uh, eighth edition. Oh God. All right, let's cruise into one of the other Serastus chassis. So we've got the Serastus Knight Castigator. What a monster. Five up in bone. Again, keep in mind that like all this comes in, the additional wounds, et cetera, and everything's got a six up field and a pain for Imperial Knights. And everybody's got bondsman abilities, which ups the ante with respect to synergy. So Cascader Ball Cannon, set 18 attack, 622, hitting on threes, range three, six inches, twin linked, high output, endangers smaller vehicles because it's twin linked. Very cool. Decent melee weapon. It is what it is. Bondsman duty here, though, is pretty great. When a model is affected by the ability, its ranged weapons get sustained hits one. Cool on this 18 attack, very decent weapon. And the AP characteristic of the ranged weapons is improved by one. Incredible. Now we have a six, three, two weapon with 18 attacks. And you can give this to either one or two of your Armager Helbrins, um, which suddenly makes their output significantly better. Pretty strong. Um, Here's his own individual. Again, you'll see the pattern. There's like a buff to give out and then an individual bonus folks give themselves. In the shooting phase when this model is shot, pick a unit, not monsters vehicles that's been hit. They get suppressed every time they make an attack, subtract one from the hit roll. Uh, and that's until the start of your next turn. So it lasts a little while. Uh, this dude's utility is crazy. Like, he's great. Not necessarily going to be a tournament staple again, given what some of the other choices are, but I don't think you're going to be surprised if you see him in list. I put him at the top of strong choice, maybe bottom of turn staple, uh, depending on what the rest of your list looks like. And there's only so many armature chassis that can receive buffs. It's pretty good. No, yeah. I think he's pretty good on his own rate too. He's, yeah. he's a really good knight. It's just, yeah. I mean, just like this. Good on them for taking this Rastus chassis and like making them worthwhile. Uh, Pumped about that plastic hit, but like, man, sustain hits one and an additional AP on this gun plus a couple of Halverins is. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I like about him is he he single handedly moves Halverins up a tier, depending on if he's in your list or not. Yeah, which that's that's always like worth looking yeah. at. Yeah, Tim, I don't know whether you're back for it. I was thinking like top of strong choice or tournament stable for this guy. It's hard. It's hard. I, me personally, I'd put him in tournament staple, but if if I was the only one going to tournaments running nights, I think other people will possibly not run him. Mm -hmm. um, but I think he is, 
I think he is about as close as you can get to tournament staple without like being in it, just because I don't think he's mandatory. Yeah. But I think there's two other knights we haven't talked about who I both think are going to make tournament staple. And I think that third big knight is either going to be him or is it going to be someone else? And because you have that choice, I think that just edges him out. Yeah. He's he's tournament staple in my heart. Yeah. But in my head, I think he's strong choice. Same. I think when the plastic hip drops for this guy, he's he's in. He's in for me. Um, all right. Off we go. Let's pick up another Forge World dude. The Castus Knight. Oh, God. I forget what this guy is. The uh, the asterisk, whatever he is. Yeah. He is about nine. He's about 85, 90 points too expensive. Yeah, I don't think he's very good. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just, man, he, you have to really end up, you have to drop a lot of stuff to get him in. Yeah. Um, for his points, you could take the Porphyrion and a Vindicare. Which is much better. Yeah. <laughs> so, combination. That's uh, that's probably that's what instead of running this guy because because he because he kills two knights he's the same durability as Perferia. Um yeah. he kills two things every turn when he stands still he he looks at two things and he kills them blows them up he doesn't he doesn't kill three things um so that's literally what the Porfarian does but the Porfarian is eighty five points cheaper mm -hmm. actually I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to do the math because I don't care enough. But I'm like 99% positive that if the Profarian was this, if this guy was the same points as the Profarian, I'd still just take the Profarian. The Profarian, I think, shoots a little bit harder. I think so too. Yeah. The output's more reliable, just hits harder at what it's pointing at. So I don't know. He I might think, even be like, look, I really like this model. Okay. Like, I think he's, I, I, well, let's be honest. If you see this guy on the table in an, at an event, the guy's, gonna, <laughs> the guy's probably going to say, look, I really like this model. Okay. Like the yeah. guy will literally say that to you. So right, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, unfortunately, he is just so many points. Yeah. Um, I think I think if he was when you are when you cost seven hundred points, flawed choices become bad, bad, bad yeah. choices. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it like magnifies your bad decision making. Yeah. Uh, both both, fi both financially, financially, and list building. So <laughs> I think he's down there for that reason. Do not buy this guy. Uh, Let's go into the Porphyrian. This dude, again, given what else is available, I'm not even sure he's balanced in the Imperial Knight book. If he was, he'd be at the bottom of it. I think maybe he's a flawed choice outright. I'd, I'd agree with that. He he shoots harder than a Castellan for a little shoots bit more. He's so you basically take a Castellan, you you drop one Warglaive, and now your Castellan shoots twice as hard. Yep. But I don't think Imperial Knights um, suffer for long range, high strength shooting the yeah, same way that SNK do. Yep. So yeah. I think I think in that context, I think he's he's in flawed choice. He's still good. He's still very good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's at top of flawed choice, but in the greater context. The, the decision is flawed, as we discussed. Yeah, yeah. same. And you're, and you're missing out on armature chassis buffs. Um, it's a lot yeah. of points. Yeah, it's a, very, it's a very selfish um, type of data sheet. Yeah. yeah. Um, Knight Megara, 
same vibe. Really got hit hard. I don't think he works anymore, at least not Imperial Knights. It makes me sad because I absolutely love this model and it served me faithfully for two editions. He's, he's in the penalty box. He's in the penalty box, which is sad. So sad. You'd think they would have gave, like, maybe he holds on to ignore his cover. Maybe they slide AP1 onto the gun, but no. Yeah. Just hard. I mean, this this is the that meme, like the, the trade offer alert. GW's like trade offer. You give me McGarrett and Cyrix. <laughs> I give you Porfirian and Serastus. <laughs> You're like, all right, all right. That's uh, cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And they're like, oh, by the way, plastic Serastus. Yeah, yeah. Um, one upside though, if you do take this guy, so the core issue with not ignoring not ignoring cover previously, that goes away, assuming that you have a Armager chassis to get hand out a Bobsman ability to because he will give himself and Armager chassis or two ignores cover, which is cool. But you're still gonna hit AP zero. It's a bunch of hits, yeah. but you know, you've got there's a lot of two plus in the game. There's a lot of three up in the game. Not. That's I would I think I'd put this guy. Uh, I can't. I mean, we're getting real pedantic. I'm like he might be better than the Acheron because AP zero with ignore AP zero with ignore cover like isn't nothing. You know what I mean? True. Um, and this guy is just this guy has battle shock rules where like the other guy has rules that actually do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe the Acheron, I think maybe he slides in front of the Acheron, but not yeah. Period. I think that's right. I think that's right. Um all right, we're getting into the good stuff now. Let's go with the more. Um they're slightly better because they've got six up kill no pains. There's access to really good bondsman abilities here. Uh, the Graviton Cannon loadout becomes a little bit cuter uh, given the buff access they got, but it's the same problem that we've got in Chaos Knights, which is that like, they're pretty expensive. Uh, and Hellburns do work. The only thing that I could possibly, this is something I want to experiment with myself, is maybe sliding uh, a hybrid output set up with, with a couple of Moraxes in place of a couple of Armature Warglaves. To see how that goes, but then again, the Warglaive Thermal Spear is like it's good. It's like Thermal Spear is really good. I think, uh, I think if anything, I think uh, there could be. When I looked at the Morax, the first thing I saw that I liked was the um, was the Grav, which is straight <laughs> six AP two flat three damage. Um, there might be a world where you run him, you run them with the Castigator to, to get, and you run like Volkites or something like that. Not the Grav, the Conversion Beaver. That's what they, the Conversion Beaver is. Um, Just throwing him in the back. Yeah, so the, conversion, so the Conversion Beaver, it's one shot, but it's exploding fours. Mm -hmm. So you end up, even though it's two shots of Ballistic Skill 3, you end up with like four hits per model. So it's, it's very deceiving and it's strength six ap2 flat three damage 24 inches but you get the exploding fours outside of 12 yeah which is where you want to be on a double gun night anyhow we're being strength um, 10 so it's actually like that much that much nicer it? to to yeah it's good uh conversion oh it is strength 10 oh that is good i thought it was strength six for some reason <laughs> uh that is good man am i looking at the wrong one for ck or something like that wow that's oh good. no um no, yeah, so exploding four, so like two shots, but you'll get four hits if you don't have modifiers. Strength 10, AP2, damage three, sustained hits C3. So unfortunately, if you combo with another source of sustained hits, 
you don't get sustained hits D3 plus one. You just take right. what the greater value is. This guy does have some exotic weapons, though, that I think mm -hmm. might be worth uh, playing to. The, uh, the Graviton Pulsar, uh, I don't love those D6 shots, but it is anti-vehicle two up. Um, if you give that, if you give that uh, exploding sixes and or extra AP to bump it up from AP one to AP two, and you work the angles to to dodge cover, that could be interesting. I don't, I don't think the lightning lock is what it used to be. Um, I think you skip the lightning lock. I think you skip the the bad uh, rad cleanser. I think the rad cleanser mm -hmm. just is with the melee weapon anyhow. The volkite is potentially okay um it's if you run two volkites it's it's uh eight shots hitting on three strength eight it's ap zero though but it's devastating wounds okay, i think i think that just i think the conversion rate just isn't there with the mortal wounds but i think i think there's a world where you run double beamers or double um double grab. grab pulsers double grab and then you and then you come up with a clever combo mm -hmm. with one of these other knights Mm -hmm. And you can make something work. I, I legitimately looked at these guys for CK. I, I'm, unfortunately, we didn't get to talk about more than CK. But I do think when you run out of Priggins, you take these. And I think I think in Imperial Knights, yeah. if you don't know how to spend like that last 20 points, yeah. I I, I mean, don't I don't I don't hate a double beamer sitting yep. in the back, just like doing work. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they're I think they're a pretty balanced choice with potential becomes strong depending on the Ability to access devastating wounds, which is really nice with that anti-vehicle two-up uh, combo. That's something you know that will come up in a little bit when we're talking about the rest of these quest stories chassis. All right, yeah, sure. We're into the standard plastic stuff. Let's start with the big boy. Z. Let's talk about the night alien. Everybody loves him. I do. Very few people have <laughs> a model. Valiant that has seen the table in a non-ironic way in the last, I want to say, like three or four years, probably. Um, boy, hits way harder now. One of the things that changed about the Dominus chassis that is easy to skip over, just given the nature of the data sheet over the last like five years, is that the Shieldbreaker missiles, in the same case for Chaos Knight Tyrant chassis, uh, are no longer once per game. So this is something you're firing. It's like a great anti-Titanic, anti-vehicle weapon. You get two of them every turn, potentially. Hitting on threes, strength 12, AP6, D6 plus one, devastating wounds, anti-Titanic four plus. That's nice in the mirror and just nice against other uh, vehicles. And then, you know, same loadout. It's got the Thunder Coil. That thing slams. Um, in this case, he's giving out the benefit of cover to the armature chassis is something that's common to all the Dominus chassis. Gives out a battle shock test to uh, any enemy, one enemy model that's been hit by the model uh, in shooting phase. Uh, he's pretty good. It's pretty good. Good stuff. The sort of like less interesting part of it, at least for me, is that. There's still the potential to do the like rapid ingress shenanigans, like reserve them, bring them in, absolutely blast something, whirlwind harpoon another thing, throw some wounds on another vehicle. Uh, but without the ability to charge through terrain, it makes it a little bit more difficult to like get him where he needs to be, uh, or at least like move through terrain and get him where he needs to be. 
even give him the range. Towering, like, yes, <laughs> with the trees. That's a good looking model, dude. That's a good looking model. Yeah, my big boy. That is great. Look at that harpoon. Love it. Yeah, thank So, unlike previous, you know, previous iterations of the Valiant versus Castellan comparison, there's still like a lot of range output coming from this guy. Like these range, these are smaller. Towering helps. Um, I think there are stronger choices, but I wouldn't say that he's, you'd be totally wrong for picking one of these guys up. For me, that lands like top of balanced, maybe bottom of strong choice. What do you think, Tim? I I don't think um, so. You do you do have that enhancement that the CK do where you reduce AP by one. Yep. Um, and I think redu reducing AP by one on a T thirteen chassis that that has a tulip save and can gain that can trivially gain cover. That is the sort of concept that people build entire lists around. Yep. Um, it's not mandatory. Uh, as a matter of fact, you are going to um, potentially cut into some of the synergy of of other stuff um, that I think is. So I don't think he quite makes tournament stable. But anytime you have something that's big, that's big enough where you can build an entire list around that concept, that is automatic strong choice as far as I'm concerned. So I, I, I agree there. But well, you I mean, have to you you have to put that enhancement on them. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much required. Now we look at the Castellan. This is my favorite model in the entire Knights range. Um, so imposing, so intense. The ranged output on the warden again, considering towering, considering the potential of reroll once with everything, which is outrageous. The benefits of cover is inbuilt reroll damage rolls of one to monsters or vehicles. I think gives him ranged output that's pretty crazy. If you're interested in throwing pay, it up, for, we used that? to pay three. We used to pay three CP in eighth edition to get the type of rerolls this guy now gets for free. Yeah, it's my god. <laughs> I just realized that. Um, yeah, that's we're, we're back to we're back to Tyrannus Knights. Or uh, was that was that Raven? That was Hawkstra? I can't remember. No, it was. Um, I think it was Raven with the rerolls. It was Raven, yeah, with the you know companion. I don't know. They basically just slammed them all together. They said you get everything. For yeah, free. reroll all the ones that you rolled on your dice when you activated the smile on the shooting face. Was essentially yeah. The only thing the only thing we're missing is the reroll ones on the damage. Yeah, which was hilarious. Um, uh, what a lot of people. There's a lot of new players that uh, weren't around Eighth Edition, but. Um, they very explicitly called out um, when you roll a D three, the when you roll a D three, it's not a when you when you reroll results of one on a D three, you don't roll the physical facing of the one, you reroll the result of the result one. of one. So you because you have to reroll the number of shots on this guy too. Um, so when you rolled a shot count of D three, you had a one in three chance of rerolling your shot count, not a one in six. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, you were re-rolling like ones for shots, hits, shots, and damage. damage. So thankfully we don't have all that, but yeah, <laughs> this guy, that, yeah. that guy with the Castellan with the built-in re-rolls, um, and if you decide to give him the minus one AP, like that guy slams. Um, yeah, he's uh, Anthony Crest yeah. was, Crest um, had Crest was ones, but they're, yeah. they're, they're a melee. 
there it was that was the melee one. Yeah, they all have rerolls reroll ones to hit melee, and then you can give one of them reroll blanket hits of one period. And that even that was like a warlord trait <laughs> that you had to pay CP uh, to obtain. So yeah, it was wild. The Here's the other kicker for me is that like, so he has a weapon that's hazardous. He can do more wounds to himself. Again, keep in mind, everybody has a six up feel no pain. So you're gonna like blunt that a little bit. You do that in your first shooting phase. Then you use shoulder the burden on yourself to give yourself plus one to hit with all of your weapons, right? Um, and yeah, I just, good Lord. <laughs> he just, he just turns into a monster. He just turns into a monster. Um, I don't get it. Uh, it was so I was I was jogging my memory. It was House Raven and it was Order of Companions. Yes, thank you. It was reroll ones, all ones involved with your shooting. Yeah. Radius. This thing was always this thing was always top tier. One CPX top tier, had a three up in Vuln. Reroll it had Call's Wrath, which made the plasma like a real gun. It rerolled ones for everything, and it was surrounded by a gazillion bodies, so you never got to charge it. Yep. Yeah. Uh he's back. He's back. I think back I think either tournament staple or top of strong choice. Um, he's a monster. He's certainly like I will be bringing it to just about every event I go to. I think he's. Like he said, I don't think I don't think he's mandatory, which cuts him out of tournament staple for me. But I think he is probably top of strong choice, yeah. just because those built-in rerolls and he just gets to apply damage from the word go. Good Lord, towering is a mess. Uh, moving along. Oh, I love it. I love the individual <laughs> Canis Rex Knight Hector model. Let's use this guy as the uh, actual Canis Rex stand-in. It's gonna be great. Um, all the way to the all the way to the top. I'm gonna skip. This guy's going in your list if you're training Max <laughs> and going to a tournament. He's gonna end up in a bunch of random Imperial lists as an allied. Uh, night because the dude just kicks ass. Um, let's quickly, quickly run through the reasons why this, this particular model is so good. So, increased efficiency and in output. He's hitting on twos with everything. He's got a Laz Impulsor, 14, 3, 4, E6 shots, blast sustain hits one. Awesome. Low intensity, 712, again hitting on twos, 2d6 shots, blast sustain hits one. Multi laser, sustain hits one, four shots with that. Freedom's hand, five attacks, hitting on twos, strength 20, AP3, damage nine, sustained hits one. You'll see a pattern. <laughs> Freedom's hand, sweep, 10 attacks, hitting on twos, 10, two, three. Who's an epic hero? You're taking one of them. Um, here are the two big deals. Once a turn, you can target this model with a stratagem for zero CP, even if you've used that stratagem on a different unit in the same phase. Anytime you want. This is where you come into the tank shot, slamming for six mortal wounds every time you charge into something, no matter what else you've done. This is how you end up with three tank shots via the Night Lancer, because this has a different description, even though it's like roughly the same thing with respect to tank shock. It's, it's pretty wild. The other part of this is that for himself, every time he makes an attack, an unmodified successful hit roll of five scores critical hit. It's auto wounding. This guy is so efficient, and at the points cost, the incredibly cheap points cost of four, oh, four or five, five? four or five. Yep. Like no brainer. He's going in. 
exploding fives on everything, the zero CP thing, hitting on twos. He's just so incredibly good. Yeah. He yeah, doesn't ser- he doesn't synergize with war dogs, but like I'm kind of in the mindset like who cares? Who cares? Yeah, the whole point of Bondsman abilities is so your army can be more efficient at killing people, but he's just more efficient at killing people. So, like, why yeah. why do in two steps what you can do in one? Apply yeah. gun to forehead, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. he's there. Yeah. This guy's um, yeah, tournament sta- tournament stable, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't see why. Yeah. You would have to have a really – you would have to do some serious convincing for him not to be in your list. In my I opinion. would outright not believe you. <laughs> it would, yeah. I I, it would, I would think you're I would think you're trying to just be special and you're gaslighting yourself yeah. and you're trying to take me along for the ride and I don't want to go on that ride. <laughs> yeah, he's so good, so good. Cool. What next? All right, Night Crusader. This is where we get into the like roughly the same things. Now we're really looking at output and buffs. Um, I I was looking through the lists this past weekend, and this guy was in every was in every single list, at least one in every list. A lot of times, two. Yeah, I think he's uh, tournament staple. I'm not, oh, interesting. So mm-hmm. here's the only. Well, I think there's a there's probably there's there's another knight involved that I uh, is probably the other one that's running alongside Canis Rex when you're taking three, which is probably why he's tournament staple. Um, the Crusader does a lot of work himself. He's got the same output as the, the TS9 chassis we were talking about without the ability to add like double cannons. Mm-hmm. Um, where it gets crazy is the buff that he provides to the little guys. Plus one to hit. Where you're getting plus one to hit on things that are hitting on threes, which now goes to twos. So your efficiency just like skyrockets. And again, let's remember we're re-rolling ones to hit and wound with everything. So you're so getting like, you know, close to 100% conversion rates on any of the output you're putting out. Before before we even take into account the war dogs, this guy, if he stands still and he's bond, bonded, hitting on twos, exploding sixes, um, and then re-rolling ones to hit and wound. Yeah. Or one hit and one wound, depending on your yeah. wording. But, you know, even, even, even the more conservative version still really good. Yeah, the output is great. And he's and he has good guns. He takes two good guns. That's the that's the real kicker. Yeah, you go thermal cannon plus the Gatling cannon. You can go rapid fire battle cannon with the Gatling cannon. That's I, where, where I don't think happen. I think you go thermal. I don't cannon. think you can. Go, I don't think you can go wrong in any of them. I think if they have the more conservative ruling where it's one hit roll and one win roll, I think you do thermal. You go thermal. I think, I think if you get to reroll all of them, I think there's. There's argument for rapid fire battle can plus Gatling, yep. but realistically, I don't think you can go wrong. I think mid, I think there might, I think we might even end up like six months from now, where the list of all kind of coalesced, and there's people out there that just say Canis Rex is cool, but they just literally just run three of these things and just go max violence. Yep. There, I think we'll see that list before before the end of the year. Yep. Yep. All right, Night Preceptor. I don't think he's a particularly strong choice. I think he's like balance. Seems fine. There's stronger choices think, out there. Blast Impulsor's fine. I, th- I think he gets crowded out real hard by Canis Rex. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. There's just no reason to take him when Canis Rex exists, uh, which makes yeah. it pretty tough. Night Warden. This dude slams, I think. He's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, the 
ability to confer devastating wounds on arbiters. And again, re-rolling ones to hidden wounds and potentially have the ability to have the anti-keyword or specific keywords in conjunction with that. Those same wound keyword, I think leads to some like interesting combinations. Um, then again, I don't necessarily think that he's going in like every single list. Unless, unless like an enhancement changes it, he, I don't think he confers devastating wounds. He has devastating wounds, but he confers the minus one damage, which I think. Oh yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Which I think, I think if you're trying to go for more of like a, um, like a two seven build, I think maybe you would run mm -hmm. like Canis and then Canis and then like one to two of these guys. And then one of them has the, one of them has the enhancement oh, where they, they, they do two. And then you just try to get as many guys going minus one damage as you can. Mm -hmm. That that could be something that sees play. Yeah, I'm not sure whether. Strong. Yeah, I think I think he's strong. I don't think he's stronger than the Castellan, the or the or the Cascader. Cascader. Those guys go hard. Um, yeah. He's 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 definitely up there. He is a good choice, okay. and I think, like I said, I think there's builds where you can like lean into what he does, and you make that like the core concept of your list. Yep. Yep. Knight Errant, standard dude, gives everything assault, um, gives himself assault with all of his ranged weapons. He can roll advanced rolls, does the same thing for anyone he's bondsman. Um, and whenever he makes a ranged attack against the closest eligible target, it adds one to the hit roll. He's okay. I think there are, there are probably very specific sort of mobility-based builds where you're like really trying to get around cutting swarm the board maybe in one of those two seven setups that you just mentioned where you like doing like a weird off off meta thing but like i still don't think it's particularly there are better choices to be made yeah i think he's fine i think he's i think he's fine but like he's definitely the the he's definitely forward slash filler in my opinion yeah, yeah. and you I mean, don't need to that, it's, filler it's not that it's not that someone else does what he does better it's that he does a thing that no one else does, but I just don't care. Yep. yep. I think bottom of filler, maybe top of block. Probably. I'm sort of talking myself out of him even being filler. Like, why would I take him over? <laughs> why would I take him over a portfolio? Yeah, there's, there's so many, there's so many, there's so many quest stores nights where I realized when we're doing this, I'm like, yo, I forgot what that guy did. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Why would I do that? I, for, I had to look up the air. I forgot the errant existed. Oh, yeah, because, like, dude just didn't exist, really, either, uh, for so long. Boy. Yeah, there's so many chassis. The uh, Gallant? Gallant. This boy. Canis Rex. Again, like, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're really trying to go hard and dedicated to that, like, triple tank shock every turn move, um, this guy fulfills the role. Uh, the 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 air, like the gallant's role is taken up by Canis Rex, who does it better. I don't think necessarily it's like the worst decision in the world, but yeah, Canis Rex is staring you right there. Yeah, and you've already got baseline reroll wants to hit, reroll everything is not that much of an increase for you, given that you're coming in on threes. Um, and in this guy's case, he's coming in on twos, so like. Who cares? Uh, minus one to hit melee for him. Cool, but like again, I don't know. I'd rather just blow the dude up. 
Candace Rex in the first place and have all these exploding hits. I think balanced filler. I don't think he's flawed. Um, I think there's some. No, I want to go. I want to go that far. Yeah, but he's well, also he's not, he's he's, he's, flaw, he's flawed in the sense of in the sense that there's a, a a that not only is there a data sheet that does what he does better, but that that data sheet is in tournament stable. Um, but if you're just trying to get more of that thing and you're okay with diminishing returns, then I think in that sense he's fine. Yeah. Yep. I do think he's probably ahead of the uh, preceptor, though. Yeah. That poor guy. Andrew Helbrins. You're taking these guys. You just are. Yeah. I think both of them are. I think both of them are. Not to bury the lead, I think both of them are staples. You just take more waves. Um, you're running either 2 7 or 3 4. Uh, that's going to let you get Bondsman effects out on all these folks again they're hyper efficient they're very durable except feel no pains on everything we're only once to hit and wound we've got these buffs in the form of either uh sustained hits or, or cover like these are great and often if you're taking one of the dominus chassis like a castellan or a valiant they're going to get cover and have two ups it's great it's just a great setup you're taking them you know, details Questorus knight styrix i don't even know why i forgot about this guy but he's flawed don't do it <laughs> I so hot take. I don't. I don't think he is. I think if you're trying to go like maybe a I and mean, granted this would be like more of like an off meta thing. Mm. Um, he's 425, which I don't mm -hmm. love. But unlike CK, his ability is um, range weapons by the model ignore cover. I think there's a world where you could run again. It'd be it'd be more cute than anything. But you yeah, see, I can see a world where you run um, him and then a castigator. And then you're just basically getting like some of your Helverins up to um, up to AP two, some of your right. Helverins to AP one ignores cover. Exactly. You're trying to go yeah. that route. Mm -hmm. It's I definitely think it's more cute, and it's definitely it is well off the well tread like obvious power path. Like yeah. if that you can like I said, you can do something cute and it'll catch people unaware, and I think that will work a couple times. If it runs up to a list made entirely of the data sheets in the tournament staple category, you'll just flat out lose. You know, right. but like that's just that's just how the game is. But I mean, I'm looking at this, and I'm, it's I yeah. Think I guess he, I, think, I, I, I think he might be ahead of the yeah. He's definitely ahead of the Akron. Better than the Megara? Uh, I don't know. I'd say they're both equal, kind of. Yeah, they're equalish. Yeah, that looks good. Can't believe that. Yeah, the poor Akron. Oh, yeah, Akron. Akron is like my favorite knight, and he's just not. Good. I know it's so. Sad. In the addition, where Serastus are good, he is just not good. <laughs> so this is what you're really looking. At. Like I'm pretty happy as an Imperial Knights player. Like I'm pretty excited about the fact that like one, already having access to all of this stuff. Is Two, the yeah. models look cool. Three, it's they're like played one game. One point five. I think Imperial Knights. Yeah, and I, think, I think. Towering take. Crazy. Yeah. And this looks good, man, because I think what you do is you literally take um you take pretty much at least one of every data sheet from tournament staple. You bring in one data sheet from strong choice if you want to, and then after that, you just keep taking um armatures, or you start bringing in um assassins, imperial agents, stuff like that. Like yep. that policeman kill team squad is 35 points a squad. That thing is um, insane, by the way. The Vindicare, the Vindicare is inoperative. And yeah. if he pops the Warlord, you get three CP on the spot, which yeah. is huge. Um, the 
Kaleidos Assassin has Vect, which is huge this edition, and yep. she redeploys every single turn and is lone operative. I mean, there's a lot. I think Imperial Knights really... Um, I think Imperial Knights and CK are both very pushed points-wise, and both yep. lists probably have like one more armature chassis than they probably should in the list. Yep. So I don't feel bad about dropping an armature to add Imperial Agents or to add Demons. And I think that that puts both of them in a relatively strong spot, especially when you start playing these tactical missions. Um, having some like little idiots with like lone operative or deep strike, or they're just cheap that you can fling away and just get ten points in a turn. It's every time I've taken tactical, it's come up in my games. Um, it's been huge. So I think I think both I think IK are stronger by far, but I think both knights are in a very good spot. I think if you're a knight lover, um, you're going to be very happy right now this edition. I agree. Um, there's a lot of less flexibility, like a surprising amount. Um, mm -hmm. And the ability to throw in actually useful assassins and agents. I think, like, so cool. It's so, yeah, it's just great. It's a really good time to be an Imperial Knight player. One side there is that I think, I think Canis Rex and the Exaction Squad might be tied for like most efficient use of points in Imperial lists right now. Yes. Like, oh my God. Yes. Outrageously good. Bro, it is, so it is getting to the point where like, people running imperialists that are like kind of suffering a little bit like sisters or um sisters guard if you don't want to play pure like artillery park leaf blower um great knights they're just talking about taking canis rex and just vibing with the five up invul and just plopping them in yeah, man. Yeah. he's he's yeah. a self-contained unit yeah. cliff we're uh two hours in so what do you say uh we rapid fire through these questions let's do it like, okay um I'm going to try to keep these uh, nice and short. We're going to just gonna rapid fire them. So first from Doug, how quick will your tier list end up in hot takes? Doug, if it is not there already, I will be very surprised because I, <laughs> I think anytime you, I think anytime you have a tier list, you just kind of open yourself up to either just being yes. screenshotted out of context or you just say something ridiculous, you know, or you remember you try to talk about a data sheet and then you forget everything you remember about it. You're like, Duh. now it looks like you don't know what you're talking about. Um, so it should already be there. Uh, coolest name out of all the knights tier list required. Uh, we don't have time to do that. Um, for me, it's not the knight itself, but I would say the Atropos, the Graviton Singularity Cannon. Um, that thing, that gun sounds so cool. That gun sounds it, sounds it sounds super exotic. It sounds incredibly deadly. Like if if someone said, if I didn't have any knowledge about the game and I'm playing my knights, and someone says, okay, I'm going to target your most expensive knight. With my graviton singularity cannon, yeah. I would just hit the big red <laughs> fucking rotate button. <laughs> rotate like without even hearing the stats. Uh, what about you, Cliff? Uh, I love the Knight Acrons. Huge fan of it, and I'm with you on the gravity singularity cannon. Just sounds amazing. Very sci-fi. Uh, how do you th how do you think each knight chassis likes their eggs or the pilot? Rather, I'll tell you what. Canis Rex likes his eggs scrambled. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Or whatever it is, whatever happens when you take an egg beater and you just go right into the eggs and it like splatters out of the bowl and goes everywhere, that's the exploding fives. Um, yeah. Will an Imperial or Chaos list with Knights souped in win a GT in 10th? If yes, which faction stands the best chance? Um, so I think GT, there's a little more room for stuff to win than like majors. You know, it could yeah. be a little bit less cutthroat. You can kind of dodge some matchups or the one person playing the strongest strongest list, maybe they pivoted to that. 
they're not like a national or international level player. They're just like a guy who's good, but like makes mistakes occasionally and does, doesn't have like know the army inside or out. Um, so I think there's definitely some room there. I think realistically it would be a faction that isn't so good that it suffers for adding in Knights, but it's good enough that like Knights kind of like take it to that next level. Mm -hmm. um, so probably demon for chaos, I would say demons and Knights um, Knight, or I would say possibly warriors of Knights. Mm. I could even see CSM would if obliterate because obliterators have indirect. So I think, I think at some point if there's a nerf to indirect, obliterators might catch collateral damage, and at that point that leaves CSM kind of wanting for shooting a little bit. I could see that. For Imperial, I think, yeah. I think I don't know what do you think. I think I'm thinking like Grey Knights or Sisters with with yeah. Knights. I think it adds a lot for them. Yeah, I could see Grey Knights benefiting a lot because they're so mobile. They have access to so much yeah. land cutting angles, but having the ability to just throw something like Chaos Rex, able to like figure this out, or else you're in trouble. Really nice. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? I think you you convinced me. I think that's my hot take. I think Grey Knights because I think you can make Grey Knight bricks that kind of hit kind of hard. It's just the army in general maybe doesn't. Yeah. But then you slam Canis Rex in there, you slam a couple Dread Knights, and then you're just moving all around the board, and you have just enough threats and durability to kind of like. Mm -hmm keep people from pushing on you and then you can leverage your teleport every single turn i think i, don't know, I think gray knights plus canis rex i could i could see that list winning a gt do you I think what that list looks like this is like getting away from being from short rapid fire questions i have no clue about guard point efficiency but is the idea of like artillery car park plus boom 400.9 it's 400.9 that's highly efficient shooting in combat a thing or do they need to spend those points on like sentinels um Tree. No, are, are pretty guard. So guards points are like weird. Um, the indirect and sentinels are way too cheap, but then the tanks are like way too expensive. So to like okay. perspective, um, a knight porfarian is fifteen points less than three lumen russes. That's crazy! Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you could you could literally just take a big titanic knight. Um, I think you would, yeah, I think you would want to. I think, I don't think you'd want to do armatures. I don't think they hit the critical mass of anything, although it gives you a little yeah. bit of counter charge. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you just, you just, either you take the Porphyrian or you take Canis Rex and you just windmill slam that guy into a guard list. Uh, and then you just take all the cheap crap from guard and you can, you can definitely make something happen. Um, Cause when they're, they're indirect, just super under costed and it can easily get to like hitting on twos, I think, cause you give it, or it's, a lot of it has heavy, a lot of it has like plus one to hit or can shoot directly. You can just deploy your artillery in the open yeah. if you have enough of it. And you shoot directly at people so you don't take the minus one hit penalty. Um, and then you get orders. Yeah. And then if you stand still, which you are because you're artillery, you're you have lethal hits, so you're auto-winning on sixes, and then you just have you just have Canis Rex, you know, just kind of being like the, the goalkeeper for that. It's not, I don't think it's a very fun list. I personally wouldn't want to play it or play against it. But if you were just trying to take the most efficient guard list you could, I could totally see uh, Artillery Park plus a knight working. Man, my hair looks really fucked up. I need to get a haircut tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's on the docket. Um, what is the best beverage for hobby? What is the best beverage for playing game? Um, man, it depends. Um, there's, for me personally, I think, 
when you wake up and you when you just accidentally wake up before anyone else in your house and the house is quiet and like the dog's moving around or the cat or whatever and you just get some freshly brewed coffee and then you just put on like the news or a show or podcast and then you just start painting man with some coffee that's that is like zen mode yeah gosh yeah early morning coffee is great if i can early if i'm doing like early saturday hobby i also have like a massive addiction to caffeine and so it does not make me jittery i'm like same same 10 12 cup a day guy don't do that to yourself but sometimes it just happens um hot cup of coffee freshly ground we got this like bird rider automatic coffee machine throw the beans in out it comes it's delicious um painting prepping models having that coffee is amazing um, late night stuff big fan of like a scotch smoky scotch sit down mm-hmm. continue painting um during an actual event, I do not recommend having like a ton of beers because like it is tiring and like oddly dehydrating to like play in an all-day event. Even like an RTT, just like standing around for that long period of time and talking. Just, like, just, you get that you get that film going on. Yeah, yeah. So like I, you know, get a light beer if you're gonna do it. Otherwise, like my my rule is I drink water until my first loss, and then that's when I break the seal and have a beer. <laughs> that's good uh i think it just works out better um okay knights are taking a lot of heat in the community currently how much of this is to be blamed on inherent high toughness vehicle skew and how much of the new rules of 10th towering strength toughness adjustment weapons cover etc um so i don't think it's as bad as eldar eldar is kind of in the intersection of most of the gripes with 10th edition i do think knights are pretty adjacent they're very they're definitely close to a lot yeah. their sections of a lot of the fuels pads um thankfully Thankfully, they're relatively low on devastating wounds. The stuff that has devastating wounds is basically mm-hmm. mostly Volkite, which is the stuff that had devastating wounds beforehand. Um, so they can't really spam devastating wounds. And if they do, it's on stuff that's like damage to AP zero, that kind of thing, like without like super many rerolls. Yeah. Um, man, it's, I think, I think they're honestly, um, I think knights are so. If you're going to tournament, like just just play what you want, play what you know. You're. I think when we have bad actors in the community, people remember them for how they how they conduct themselves, how they behave, how they act. They don't ever remember bad actors because they brought X army. That's just not a thing. So like, mm-hmm. play whatever's strongest, and then just compensate for that. Overcompensate for that by being a. Um, a, a good sportsman yeah, just be cool just be cool and just being super chill um you're all there to play we all know the game is is not balanced even at the best times that's just kind of like the table stakes for playing warhammer at a tournament um but if you can overcompensate by just being a really cool opponent that's fine most of the complaints besides that the people who are like truly like turbo salty are just um generally people you won't run into at tournaments or people who are just like online in the game and don't actually play super much mm-hmm. uh honestly like knights i think knights were hated way worse people hated knights more in eighth edition than they hate them now yeah from what i've seen so i think it'll be fine um so I, I just wouldn't worry about it like they're not they're definitely not like the that guy army that they used to be mm-hmm. man people hate people hated them in eighth edition yeah well invincible unstoppable castell and blowing up half your army turn one but I mean, even people running like even people running like three bigs and like four war dogs, like that, that like there were some armies that just couldn't deal with that. Eighth, eighth edition output was nowhere close to what it is now, and people just couldn't deal with it. 
Um, yeah. For the keyword thing, I do, I do like the combination of like good saves, access to cover, the towering keyword, very high output, great strats, and highly efficient units together makes like nice, nice, relatively easy to play, low decision making mode. Um, yeah. And if you're re-rolling all the ones, then like they're very, very consistent. So you're not really punished necessarily for my probability for getting out of position or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would. Uh, it's a good idea for the future. We should totally do like a, uh, a like a a dad hammer like tier list for like what you would take to a GT if you're like a dad, but you're trying oh. to reform one. That'd be pretty fun. We'll we'll put a pin in that. That'd be that'd be a good one for the future. Because right off the top of my head, I can think of like four. Yeah. Um, okay. Custodies buy gold spray paint. <laughs> Custodies demon monster mash both forms of knights. Like boom, you're done. Run. Um, yeah. All four of those armies probably cost as much as like two of any other army. How do you combat trying to improve and get reps with limited time and defiance? People dooming the addition balance army of choice. Last episode you talked about balance to take care of kids versus personal endeavors. When they get to a certain age, you still still turn it out. Okay, so this is two questions. Um, so it's hard um if you're trying to improve and get basically like once you get to the stage that this show is like aimed at you're at the point where it's like a zero-sum game you can only do more of one thing if you're doing less of something else um so generally if you are trying to improve you have to do two things you have to try to make your practice as efficient as possible um, but then you have you have diminishing returns because once you're super efficient with your practice, the only thing you can do at that point is just get more practice, and that's the hard part. Um, I have a team which is super helpful because like when I'm on break of work or stuff like that, um, I'm always able to chat with these guys and like post ideas, blah blah blah, ask them questions. And I think like we have about 20 people on our team, and I think the vast majority of them are probably in like the consistent three, two, four, one uh, area. And there's a, there's a handful that like they travel to majors and they always show up in like the, like the top 12 or something like that, or sometimes even podium, you know? So like, I'm, I'm very lucky to have those people to bounce off. And they're always, even with the, all of us kind of recognizing the addition is kind of like a mutually assured dis- destruction type addition. <laughs> Um, they're still there. None of them are so dooming and salty that they're going to turn down games. Like we all are super invested in Warhammer. We love Warhammer. We've been through some crazy additions in the past. Um, and so we're always down to just kind of like throw dice. And when things are just crazy, like we don't get salty about it. We're just like, and then we just keep it. So you just got to kind of find the right mindset. Um, for tangent, um, even though 10th edition, I think, has kind of dropped the floor out a little bit from like a lot of the people that get tons and tons and tons of reps of these high skill cap, high skill four armies. I think for if you're like us, where you're like a like a totally like dad hammer guy, but you're trying to go to GTs, you're trying to go to majors and trying to hit four or one or whatever, I don't think it's ever been better because um you are going to have the ability to dice your opponent more often. So as long as you bring a good list, you can dice your way out of mistakes. You can, they can play perfectly and then you just dice them. Today, turn two, um, I thought Magnus is, <laughs> I just, I just hit, the, he moved within Damn and it wasn't even like a gotcha. He was standing in the middle of the board and he moved up specifically to kill the changeling. And the changeling said, no. Like just 
like he showed him who Zinch's like true favor was. See, like <laughs> tenth edition is the edition of scams. So as long as you can like like internalize that, like you can you bring a list that is durable and has a lot of damage output and just throws tons of dice, and you will like you will punch above your weight class and you will just scam people super hard. But like. I don't think it's crazy like Sigmar level where you just like scam someone, double turn and scam them again. But like for someone, for people like us who like generally know how the game works and generally like know the competitive core concepts, but are a little bit, have less reps than some of like the top name players, you know, that, that gap between us has closed. So yeah. you can lean into that a little bit. Um, find someone else who has that mindset where like they're just, they're dedicated to improving and they're dedicated to liking Warhammer, even when Warhammer is trying not to be liked or likable. Yeah. It would be my advice. Yeah. I think as long as you internalize like three things, really, you'll be okay all the time, no matter what, when we're in a game. One, like I say this all the time in the Discord, the game's never going to be competitively balanced, ever. That's just not, stop wishing that that's the case. It's not going to be it. That that's, can be something that, that's something you can leverage, though. You can leverage that in your favor. Right. And then two, while it's not competitively balanced, it is definitely a skill game like people are quite good at this and three to get better to increase your skill you need to practice right so like go play the games get out on the tables talk about the stuff with your friends that are like-minded get the reps in and like know that like at this point especially now at the early point of an addition a lot of people this is their first transition because of the growth of the game in the last three years uh, so it's understandable the level of salt seems like higher than typical um because it's just like a lot of people going through it for the first time Gets better. We're in beta testing. Get out, roll dice, do what you can, get your fundamentals down. Okay. Yeah. Play tactical. Tactical missions are make make the game a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you're if you're if you are if you're playing 10th edition and you've only played fixed so far, like that actually explains a lot if you're maybe not enjoying it. Like I think playing tactical makes a little difference. Get that CP. Okay. Um Last episode, you talked about balancing taking care of kids versus personal endeavors. When they get to a certain age, you see what's still turn the hobby large capacity. Um, probably because I will feel less bad about like leaving the wife at home with the kid if the kid's a little more self sufficient. Um, yeah. for me, for me, honestly, it's um, right now we're just always understaffed, and I work I work weekends a lot, and so like I have to. Luckily, I have Thursdays and Fridays off, which kind of cuts out one day of travel. But if I'm trying to like travel for a major, I usually have to take like three days of time off. And unless I know about it a year ahead of time, like where I can like bid my time off, I got to use like, I got to jump through hoops. I got to do like shift swapping with people, like maybe like come down with a cold, like conveniently, like that kind of stuff, you know, like it's, it's a pain. Like I'm kind of in a situation where I have a ton, I have a ton of time off. I accrue like eight hours of time off per pay period every two weeks so i i'm swimming in time off but i can never actually like get it approved because we're just always short, short staffed yeah unless i do but like the big events like um like nova london gt like all sorts of stuff like that where they put out their dates super far ahead of time like i love those because i can actually plan and just and put in that time yeah. and get it off yeah same the yeah i've got a um i have a large amount of responsibility at work so I've managed a team. I've stepped into intern management of another team because a colleague of mine uh, left. So it's like a lot happening. I have like board responsibilities. My wife's a surgeon. So like the ability to travel in earnest is limited in the same way I think that Tim's describing. Like I need to know way out ahead of time to be able to plan around that. Um, and even then I'm still feeling that like 
still get text from my team. Uh, I'm still sort of available for work, usually getting messages about school related stuff or kid related stuff. So it's hard to be, you're never really going to be like totally separated from it, nor would I want to be. It's just sort of the kind of person I am. But it helps, you know, having knowing knowing in advance helps a lot, and that's you know that's why you just hit up RTTs locally on the weekends, like you know, drive or your train out, see what you can do. Yeah, it's become the biggest shift has been um, when before I had a kid, and before I had a kid, and it was a little easier for me to come and go. Um, I just kind of tried to shotgun any event that was like I could reasonably reach, um, as long as I had disposable income for like for hotels, sporting rooms. Um, travel and everything just because I was just trying if I was I figured if I was just shotgun blasting five round events or more eventually I would just push up the ITC ranks just by hitting everything you know um, and, and I would just brute, essentially brute force it um, now ITC ranks don't really honestly mean anything to me um, I think there's just yeah, a lot shouldn't mean anything to you either viewer <laughs> yeah so I think I think really just having making the social connections of a lot of competitive players and really good people. And now I'm like, I feel very blessed and lucky that there's a lot of people on the competitive side of the hobby who I respect that I now can like, just, if I want to think if a new rules come out or a new book comes out, like whatever, I now am able to just hit them a message, you know, and so like some people are busy, like, like, you know, like with like their own like podcasting or like coaching service, stuff like that. And so I, I usually don't hit them up day one because their inbox is probably flooded, but just being able to have these people who have gone out and like just won events and just knowing that like, Hey, I can just ping them like, Hey man, what are you looking at? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then on the flip side, the fact that some of them will ask me my ideas, like that feels better than like winning an event like on a low level like just i don't know it's just like the the imposter syndrome or whatever when someone you respect all of a sudden like ask you about your idea and then especially if they're like oh i hadn't considered that and they fold that concept into something they're doing and then you see them go and have success with it you get to like live vicariously yes. a little bit, which is that's super cool and so like and then that that type of like social and like networking and connection and everything that feels so much cooler than going out and slamming itc points so for me it's more important that the events i go to are quality and i enjoy myself and they have good terrain they have good venues they have good judging they have bonus points my teammates are going if i'm gonna have a good time you know if there's not going to be like the local meta shithead that's there that kind of stuff like just <laughs> i care way more about that than like the size of the event for sure. Yeah. Fewer better things in all in all aspects of life. Yep. Quality over quantity now for me. Uh would eggs still exist in the grim darkness of the far future of those only war? Fuck yeah. I would say I would say yes because Krieg exists, you know? So yeah. like if Krieg exists, like eggs have to exist, you know, they're vat like they'll just they'll just vat grow the eggs or something. Bro, there are planets dedicated to just chickens. Just chickens laying eggs for sure. Favorite cuisine to eat or cook? Um, I I'm gonna lean into the bit a little bit. I always feel awesome when I have whenever I'm able to produce like a perfect brisket after like mm. you know twelve like twelve to eighteen hours of smoking, and you do that you cut it in the middle, you do the money shot or like all the juices. Oh, man, it's it's, oh, yeah. it's that's really cool because people are like people like look at it and they're just like they swear that you're doing black magic. Um, 
so clout wise that always feels cool but for like just just eating myself um a simple grilled cheese or like a good bowl of like like ramen not the not the instant ramen but like true ramen with like the pork belly and the egg and all that kind of stuff that's probably my favorite um eat mexican as far as like cuisines uh mexicans that like if i had to pick one and only one to eat for the rest of my life that would be it it's delicious and cook mm, let's say american specifically a uh, thin very thin burgers on the grill specifically a charcoal grill because that's that's who i am when it comes to grilling it's like i love making those for myself for other people it's just the best best experience all right uh sam lemon gave us three questions here uh so the first one for those who haven't played yet with the big boy skew what are the some of the key benefits of the play style what fundamentals can people learn from this um two things i would say off the top of that mm -hmm. um actually three things. So the first one is it usually reduces your cognitive load. Um, so you can just focus on, you don't get like wrapped around the axle of order of operations to make your army work. You know, like there's some armies out there where it's just like, if you activate like a psyker in the wrong order, or if you like move this unit, like into like 0.1 inches out, out of range of these like three other different units, you're just stepping on rakes left and right, getting smacked in the face. Um, the big boy lists are a little bit more self-sufficient than that. Um, it, it lets you focus more on just playing the game that's in front of you, you know, be like, okay, well, what, what, but you get to practice like target pretty like, like, okay, well, he has these units that are really dangerous to me. So he's going to try to preserve them. He's going to use these other units to score and to, to, uh, move block or whatever, tie me up with that kind of stuff. So whenever you're doing your target priority, you're kind of like, well, do I, do I go after his damage or do I do, go after his scoring and his movement control, that kind of thing. Um, the second thing is that it teaches you to not be afraid to get shot. Um, I think too many people, they just, they, they come out a turn too late because they're just trying to like not get shot. And they're just like doing the thing where they just put like one unit a turn on the objective and then it gets, it dies with, and they feed it out. Um, you just, it lets you really see the output of several different armies Like when you're just playing nothing but knights and you're just existing because like neither God nor man has invented a knight list that doesn't get shot at. So you just learn how to get shot. Um, yeah. And that was, I'm, I'm trying to think how to describe it. It's like, it's like when you are like afraid of like that one thing and then you finally face your fear and you're like, yeah. oh, that's not so bad. You're like, okay, it's a little like getting punched. Getting punched in the face is bad, but like now you know what it feels like. You know what I mean? So um the third one, I kind of forgot what I was gonna say, but honestly, I think it's um it's just because it's is simpler, it kind of lets you oh, that's what it was. It basically teaches you to be in the driver's seat of a game. Um, because 90, no, not maybe not that much. Four out of five of your games you need to be the one in the driver's seat you are pushing into the middle you are bullying your opponent you are basically you're the ones you're the one driving the bus and the other player is either just trying to survive until you know he's trying to survive the bus ride or he's actively trying to rip the wheel from you yep one out of five games like you actually kind of need to like hang back a little bit and just kind of like slowly kind of mosey forward versus being aggressive and that kind of comes with experience but you'll learn very quick because you're gonna get shot at in every single game yeah 
Um, so you'll, you will actually kind of like learn the vibe of the game very quickly. And when things, when things go wrong with a list that has like seven to 14 models in it, you will be able to pinpoint the exact moment the wheels came off the bus. Yeah. Um, so as it, weirdly enough, it's actually like, if you're going to multiple, it's not a great way to learn the game, like the nuances of the game, but if you're trying to learn the high level concepts of the game itself, like it's not a terrible yeah. story. Yeah, great for foundation. Side note on prepping is that like the hobby end of it when you're doing any sort of kind of big boy time, not just nights. Um, it's just quick. It's quick to get ready. It feels fun. You see, you see products happening quickly, and you do all the magnetization and all the painting techniques that end up being forgiving because it's such a large model. So it's just like good in all aspects of the game. Uh, Sam's second question: a skew build of all big things can easily lead to some games being blowouts as many armies simply can't beat the stat check. Do you think this is a positive game design choice? Something should be a core part of the competitive 40k meta. Um, man, I don't even know what, what should be part of the competitive 40k meta anymore. I don't think GW knows. Like um on the flip side, so I have noticed that minus uh bonus um modifiers, negative and positive, and rerolls on the hit roll are more rare. Um, but with the with the um the ap and the and the strength squish in the game and then the the broadening of the toughness characteristic uh, and the granularity of it there's more i've noticed more modifiers and more rerolls on the wood roll um and there's also i've noticed an increase of stuff like devastating wounds lethal hits stuff like that kind of stuff so it sounds like there are more at least in theory more avenues you can do to putting traditional damage onto night chassis. Also, the damage of a lot of guns have gone up. A lot of the anti-tank weapons have like just preposterous damage values. Yeah. But the night, the night wound count per chassis has stayed the same or gone down. Yeah. So like when I'm playing like my war dogs, it feels like every single war dog is like three or four failed saves away from like just getting like critical existence failure and just being Thanos snapped off the table. Um so same thing the big the big guys lose wounds at an alarming rate. Thankfully, like bracketing isn't real anymore. You just take your minus one, you just move oh, on. You still you still move the same amount, which is huge. Um, but it's very binary. Just one second you're there, and then another second you're just picking up your model, just wondering like just kind of doing a double take. Um, as far as like the philosophical if it should be, it shouldn't be, I don't know. Um, I think I think once they get the balance of like the factions more in line it'll be better because some armies just don't have the damage output, unfortunately. But overall across the game, there's a lot of auto wounds. There's a lot of reroll wounds. There's a lot of plus one to wounds. There's a lot of devastating wounds, that kind of stuff. So the mechanics do exist and more than they did in previous editions. Mm-hmm. Um, question three, at Tim, starting lineup, now that the starting lineup for Team USA has been revealed, what is your role going to be after Warmaster? And how are you feeling heading into this year's WTC? Um, Mixed, so mixed feelings, definitely some relief um, a little bit, like there's less pressure on me, but I'm also still, um, I am still super invested in my team's success um, and I've been helping them prep and selfishly, it's been good games and good experience for me as well. It's nice because I'm bringing my wife and my kid to Belgium. So now that I will actually be available, you know, like mentally and emotionally a little bit more than I would have been if I was on a team, like that is in some ways relief like i definitely would have liked to have been representing the country but um 
we I think we have a stellar lineup, and I think all of them had honestly probably a little bit were probably higher in skill and had more time to commit than I did. So I definitely didn't want to stand anyone's way. Not that it was my choice anyhow. Um, but um, now but that now, I know that I'm not starting, I signed up for uh, War Masters. So I'll be competing at War Masters. I have no idea what I'm playing. I'm excited. I'm excited for that because after that, um, I have a local GT. I might be going to Nova. Um, and then I have Tampa open and all those should be cakewalks after coming back from War Masters. <laughs> um, but most of them is going to be a cheerleader and then I'm just going to enjoy Belgium. My wife has already like planned so much stuff for us, um, but I am planning to play War Masters. So there's at least two days there I'll be playing. Uh, should there be a Castell and Cliff jersey to match the Turbo jersey? Yes, there should. We can, totally, we can make that happen. Uh, Castell and Cliff and Big Boy Tim. I'd wear that. Uh, man, 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 if if I could get a if I could get a uh, a hoodie with my name and War Dog on it, that would be super sick. I would wear the shit out of that. Yeah, would be just like a, just like a War Dog, but it's like my face. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd wear that. I wouldn't explain it to anyone either. People would be like, "What is that?" But like, don't worry about like, it. Like, is that you? Uh huh. What? Maybe. Uh, you're good. <laughs> uh, flights being canceled all over. So Tim could bring this podcast tonight. Favorite carrying case for models. Um, so if you're not playing knights or big stuff, the Citadel carrying case is pretty good. The downside is that getting replacement foam for it is impossible. Mm. Um, besides that, I would say um, oh, I'm drawing a blank of it. Is it army case? Army? I can't remember. They, they make all those like Molly packs. Like backpack things with the slide outs. And the, yeah. yeah. Um, there's two different companies. I, yeah. I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank on what they are. There's army something. Yeah. I'll I'll post links, but the um I'll I'll look it up and I'll post it later in the in stack contract or the uh, case Citadel case. And I I mean, granted, like this is where magnetization comes in really helpful. Like all of my knights are magnetized at the hip or at the waist mm -hmm. and at the arm. So like everything pops off. You throw it in the Citadel case. It's good to go carry that stuff. I'm that foam. I, it's, that yeah. foam is made out of like hopes and dreams because it's really soft. So like it, it <laughs> it's crazy. You can you can fit a surprising amount of stuff in there. It's just yeah. the downside is that like it has like it's built where once you put it in, it compresses and it holds mm -hmm. everything still. The downside is if you have like antennas and Philly stuff, when it does that compression, yeah, it starts like to it like bends parts and everything's like that yeah. part kind of sucks. Um, but I, I think the best, the best way I've done it is you magnetize a tray, you take a magnetized tray, you magnetize your bases, you put them in there. And then before you put it in the case, you put like thin foam on all sides. So that way, uh, when you're traveling on a plane or when you're traveling in a car or whatever, those little small like shocks, those little shocks and everything, like don't transmit to the model and break your super glue. All right. We're almost done. We got like five questions left. Um, how's y'all's Diablo journey? Real good. I have level 70 Sorceress. Uh, I'm on Torment, and I just rolled a Necro, and I'm probably going to stay up way too late after uh, after the show tonight playing that. Good for Necro. Love it in my game. It's awesome. Yeah. It's it's really fun. I was told I was told that the game is bad, so I must be playing it wrong because I'm having fun. Good. <laughs> right? I must be doing something wrong. Um, bad news. You have just been informed that you must create a CK or IK list with a Warhound. How do you spend the last 900 points? Uh, well, that's easy. For CK, 900 points is exactly six brigands, which is the max fieldable amount. So I would literally just take six brigands and a warhound. Man. That's so interesting. Can I, does it have to be an IK or CK list? Or can I do like a 
ally and a something else. I'll just do that game. Um, I think I go Crusader and then Alvarez to taste. I think I go. I think for IK, I go the Warhound, Canis Rex, Crusader, and a Vindicator Assassin. That's, ooh, I, th- I think that I think that all fits. I have to double check. I think I'm pretty sure that's like 1995. 1995. Yeah, might be there. Might be slightly over, but I, no, yeah, it's 80 points. Yeah, might be good. You might be good. Might be good. I feel like I'm like I feel like I'm like plus or minus like five points there. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Brendan says, "Canon is a valiant. Let's go. Show questions, discussions." <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then Ennis is trolling, uh, in trolling in the comments, and that is it. All right, so yeah. we are done. Monster episode. We managed to come in sub three hours because <laughs> uh, we did two tier lists of the same one. That was a, that was that was it. Hey, I, I thought it was really fun, man. As much as we yeah. should talk tier lists, they are they are fun to do. Yeah, uh, they're talking. They are super fun. I, I should talk them only because other people's tier lists are bad, and ours are obviously quite good. There it is. Yeah, ours are clearly the best. So uh, let me <laughs> scroll through. Liz. Uh, Sam, here's the thing about the ITC rankings. You need to care zero about that and dedicate your entire self-worth and value to your CRS rankings, which are a much better indicator of whether or not you're going to do it. Cool. I think that is it. That is everything. So if you are down, I'm going to call it a night. I'll see you guys in the Discord. Peace, y'all. Log on. Watch our shows. See you in the Discord. Goodbye. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.